0: Hi everyone, welcome to Office Hours. If you're watching on YouTube, you can find out more about what we do at officehours.global. Our first hour is general discussions about digital media production. And our second hour is usually something we wanna spend a little bit more time on. Today, we're gonna talk about the Super Bowl graphics. Uh, usually that's when um, a, a network spends a lot of money. We'll see if they did this year. We'll, we'll take a look. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, so, uh, so anyways, we'll take a look at it in the second hour. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And let's go ahead and jump into the questions. Um, uh, go ahead, Mitch. What do we have?
1: Thank you, Alex. First in, Jacob Goodnight from Indianapolis, Indiana. Says, Alex, I saw you're speaking at Stream Media Connect this afternoon about how to do virtual and hybrid events right Will it be recorded or available on demand?
0: Yeah, I think it will be recorded and available on demand. In the past, Streaming Media has made them available. It is free, so stre- Streaming Media Connect um, is, a, is a free thing. So if you wanna see it live, you can. You can just simply register for it. Um, but uh, it, otherwise, it should be available. And also, I I'll post probably later today, the the talks that I did, the, the one on digital first events as well as uh, the interview with Andy Carluccio uh, was uh, went live uh, yesterday from um, the Silicon Valley, uh, Valley video, SVV. So, um, so we're going to uh, – I'll, I'll get that onto Discord, so t- take a look for that. Um, but a lot of good conversations going on. All right, next question.
1: Matthias Utila from Helsinki, Finland asked, If you use 75-ohm cable for application intended for 50-ohms, like wireless audio antennas, what are the cons of that and vice versa when using five, or excuse me, 50-ohm cable for 75-ohm video signals? If the cable runs are, for example, below 10 feet,
2: does it matter? Go ahead, Courtney. It doesn't matter if you're talking about millivolt uh, ranges of voltage for antennas. Uh, it makes an important difference because you'll get ringing. You'll get, uh, with an impedance mismatch, you'll get a, a big loss of signal. Uh, if you don't have uh, properly balanced um, impedance for the antenna for digital signals you can get away with uh, uh, the wrong impedance for short runs you know four or five feet ten feet maybe i would not run anything over about 10 feet uh, unless the uh, impedance of the cable matches what uh, the equipment is asking for usually 75 ohm uh, go ahead now mitchell
1: yeah, Courtney is exactly correct. Uh, the 75 and 50 numbers we're boundering around here is the impedance of the cable. And what that means is the maximum transfer of power will happen at the same type of impedance. In other words, if the input is 50 and the output is 50, you have the maximum amount of power being transferred. If you're mismatching them, a little bit uh, loss, which means that's
2: why it'll work in a short run. Yeah, go ahead, Courtney. Also, if you have a impedance mismatch, you'll get reflections inside the cable. So you'll get ringing, what's called ringing. And in a digital signal, you probably won't see it. It might show up as some sparkles or something. In an analog signal, you'd see actual kind of echoing images slightly off center uh, as a sign of ringing. Uh, or the impedance mismatch. And remember that cables and connectors have to be matched. There's 75-ohm connectors, there are BNC connectors, and there's 50-ohm BNC connectors, and they are different. Uh, Next question.
1: Douglas Carmichael asking, I've been setting up my M2 Pro Mac Mini and am interested in an entry-level webcam for Zoom meetings that still would pass Office Hours 2.5 standards. Would you recommend the Insta360 link, or would a Logitech Brio suffice?
0: The link looks a lot better. (laughs) That's all I have to say. Like, the link looks a lot better than the Brio. And you have a lot more control over it, um, both in color and so on and so forth. I mean, I would definitely recommend a link if I was getting a webcam. Uh, Next question.
1: Zach Phillips in Philadelphia asking, Can a Decimator 12G cross or two serve as a poor man's region of interest crop? Several HD frames from one 4K. Aside from the old Odyssey 7Q, which doesn't have SDI outs for this, What's an affordable way to get multiple HD shots from one 4K shot? Uh, you could do that. You, you should be able to do that. So, it's that.
0: so the Decimator 12G cross will allow you to have a one 12G input, and I believe it will let you do that. It'll send out the quads. so allow you to convert that 12G input to quads. So if you had something to go in, I don't know if you can go in. That's the problem. you got to figure out how to get it to the 12G in the first place. So you'd have a four-up of different things and you put it into that and, and it'll split it because the way the quad works in Ultra HD is it's just, you know, literally four HD um, signals. So if you put them in in quads, it should just come out as those. It's We've always found it to be a little tweaky. You always end up with a line from the other quad or, or something else like that when we try to do this stuff. So it hasn't been 100% successful, but we have done it, um, especially trying to transport HD frames um, over, we might have either you know some kind of transport um and we want to send four cameras that want to stay in sync. We'll put them into quads and then send them four K transport SRT, live view, you know, all these other things. When they get to the other end, you split them back out again and um and and, and then you have them all and they stay in sync. That's the big thing, because if you have them all in different encoders, it's hard to keep them in sync. So that's that's one way that we actually use them. Go ahead, Chris.
3: You know, the way Zach uh, worded the question saying several HD frames and not four. It made me think he was trying to artistically pull regions of interest out of the 4K frame and not yep. just mathematical quad- quadrants.
0: Yeah, the. Um, you can't do uh,
3: that, though, right?
0: No, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> you, you would need something else to do that. So, um, but yeah, if you were just trying to grab quads, you could do that. If, you could, if you're trying to grab something more complicated than that, you'd need a real ROI. Um, and, and those are um, the region of interests. Um, there are, AJA actually makes one that is designed to do exactly what you do. It's called the region, I think, ROI. <laughs> so, it's, uh, so um, check that out as well. Uh, next question.
1: From Chris Widener in Lafayette, Indiana, Chris asks, has anyone tried the Frameworks ID Series Creator by Gator with their crossbar setup not exactly cheap, but seems very sturdy for a dual or triple visa setup with camera lights and sound? Go ahead, Mitchell. I can speak for their uh, their standard Boom, which is not exactly the same device, but I can tell you that their build quality is excellent. Um, it has a very sturdy uh, basis. This is the uh, the Frameworks Gator that we're looking at. Oh, so you're using that, that exact um, thing. Not the exactly, but it's, uh, it's made by the same company so I can speak to their build quality.
0: Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, next question.
1: Alexander Knight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada loaded a local record from ATEM into resolve looking at program, not ISO timeline shows purple segments with no video. What causes this?
0: Um, yeah. That, kind of thing we always worry about when we
1: do these kind of
0: records and why we record ISOs. Uh, What I would do is I would look at those purple segments. Um, I don't know what's actually causing that, but I would look at those purple segments and see if it's the same camera. Is it the same input or is it the same type of thing? So, what was going on when you went into that? And immediately, I would go back and test it and start cutting between things and, and doing the things that I did during the show to figure out why you have a some black frames. Um, I don't know of a great way to recover that. That's usually why we try to record at the ice, you know, we try to record in, in many places, as many places as we can, um, to make sure if something goes wrong with our, our records, we have another version of it. Um, but uh, if you, um, but what I would do is look at those, are they the same camera angle? Were you adding graphics? Was that a super source? Was that a, you know, what was going on when those purple frames hit? So that, that's what I probably look at to see if there's some behavior that is causing those purple frames to show up.
1: Next question. Next question in from Paul Wallace in Austin, Texas. Paul says, how do you manage power strips and power cords to your desk and monitor? Um, go ahead, Bill.
4: Yeah, this is one of those things where it depends on whether you're putting things in temporarily or permanently, whether your desk is finished in something you don't want to mar or it's finished with something rough that you're okay to put things like brads and staples in Uh My favorites, most of the power strips I have, you can put two small screws in and there's uh, little holes and slots on the back where if you pop it down and then push it to the side and you get the screw with just the right clearance from the desk, that'll hold it firmly in place. If That's for a permanent installation. It requires a screw into the surface. Sometimes I don't want to do that. And in those cases, I probably will go with command strips, that 3M product that uh, allows you to put something very well stuck on the bottom of it and then something on a desk When you push it down, it really does lock it pretty well in place. And the advantage of the command strips is they have a little tab on them. At the end of your use case, if you pull that tab out, it will release the adhesive and let you pull it off there. So those are just two things. That, a lot of cable ties, a lot of zip ties. And uh, there are a particular kind of staple gun that has a little U-front on the front of it that puts a little u shaped Brad. I find if I don't have to worry about marring the finish uh, and I'm going to do something semi-permanent, I use a lot of those kind of staples to keep the lines really clean. Go ahead, Chris. Uh,
3: My desk is a disaster. I mean, it is is a textbook fire hazard (laughs) example. Like, don't ever let your work area look like this. Um, I did just recently get this.
0: It's got a whole... <laughs> yeah, it's got all so the, many. It's got all the ports. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fire hazard all in it, one.
3: It is a, it is a. Uh, my USB just went bonkers. Um, it is. I, it's actually so large, I may not have a place to put it. Good tip. Good tip for the screws, Bill. Take a piece of yeah. your blue painter's tape, put it across the back, poke holes where the screw holes are, peel that tape off. That's where you want to pre-drill your holes of where where you're going or where you're going to put the screws in. So turn it over, put the screws in, boom, boom, boom. Go ahead, Courtney.
2: Yeah, I had a problem like this because I just redid my uh, UPS and I wanted to make sure that all of the stuff that created uh, the wireless Wi-Fi internet signal stayed on if the power goes off. So I started counting things up because I had a cable modem, a switch, a router. Uh, and a couple of other things that all had wall warts that had to be plugged in and had to be on the battery backup of the ups so i ended up taking an extension cord that has outlets on both sides of an extension cord you know three outlets on the end of the extension cord and i put two cube taps into that this is kind of like what uh what fenwick ended up with two cube taps you know the square ones into each side so i could plug six different wall warts into the end of that this is Thing that looks like a a malignant tumor that comes off of my uh, UPS, but it keeps them all on one input of the UPS. There's always battery backed up. So I tried pulling the plug out of the wall and my internet connection stayed on. Good, Mitchell.
1: I have a wire basket that sort of holds all my wiring. So all my AV stuff runs this way. And the power uh, adapters I have mounted vertically so that the wires aren't running together. Uh, next to each other, they're basically crossing at 90 degrees. Another tip, um, don't uh, daisy chain your uh, outlets. It's It's a recipe for disaster. Next question. Next question coming in from Greg Gibson in Washington, D.C. Streamed event with 20 people in a room, 150 online. Client ignored the larger audience. Clients are ambivalent to bring the virtual audience into the room during the events, open to the public for fear of trolls on open mics and cameras. Solutions?
0: I don't like open mics in the room, let alone outside of the room. So I I, so I wouldn't worry if I wouldn't bring people in, uh, in general, uh, live from the online audience. Um, that's, what, that's why we use something like Makana um, to make those things happen. And so that people can type the questions in, you can see the questions, you can present the questions. And I think that should be done both in the room and out of the room. I was just in a, an event that exemplified my concerns, which is that it wasn't a horrible thing. The person just got up and talked for a long time <laughs> and I was just like I was in the live event I was this was this weekend. The person got up to ask a question and then talked for like five minutes and then asked a question that didn't really matter. It's exactly why we don't use open mics and he wasn't even a troll. It was just an p- opinionated person that I didn't need to hear. So the um, so the thing is is that I, I, I highly recommend, Um again, I've worked with some pretty large organizations. And once they get used to taking questions via text, they never go back to open mics. I mean, open mics, everyone there's like a mystique to open mics. Like we're gonna have this moment um that the and people are gonna feel included. But generally what what it means is that you're letting someone take over your show. (laughs) So so like don't like I would not not ever do that unless I didn't have a tool to to do that. So you do, you know, in the room we haven't had a lot of tools. Um we use things like I use the phone version of Makana in in-room events so that I don't have to have an open mic and let people just run off on their, on their own. Um, you know, you don't wanna let civilians do that. <laughs> like, you know, like it's just, it's just not a good, it's not a good look. And I know people are, there's a culture to it that you have to kind of break up. But when you move to something that's all text, and you have some version of it that both the online audience and the in-room audience can have. And if they can answer the questions, ask questions, vote on the questions, all those things, it means that they're all one group. And the client doesn't have to worry about trolls because nothing's gonna get promoted that to the to the speakers that wasn't already seen, wasn't already approved, generally wasn't already voted up. So so those are it's a much different situation. That's the, the easiest way to do that. But I would definitely not bring random people in. We've definitely brought lots of people into, into meetings, but usually they, you know, it looks like they just came in, but we prepped them, sent them gear, you know, and then we go, oh, we're gonna go to Judy, <laughs> you know, and we're like, we're like, like she just showed up and there was like two weeks of meetings about Judy. So, so, um, so usually uh, if, we bring, uh, if we bring people in, it's usually not by accident. Um, otherwise you do, I mean, the bottom line is if you ignore your online audience, they're just not gonna come back. You know, like you know, and and here's the and I, I just talked about this. If you watch my video, I'll put it up on Discord and on I'll tweet, tweet it out today. But if you watch the video that I um that I talked about, the thing is is that you have to be very careful about how the online audience feels because they don't know how they feel a lot of the time. They just know that, uh it wasn't, you know, the next time they're busy, they're busy and the show shows up, they don't, they don't come because it just wasn't that important. And the reason it's not important is because they didn't feel like they were included or a part of the event. And it's devastating to your audience because it means that it's very hard to get them to come back because now that's been proven to them that it's not worth it. Um, so you have to figure out a way to get that online audience included. Um, I would do it with text, not not video. And I would do that across the board so that your in-room audience and your and your uh, online audience are. In the same playing field, you know, so that they're all they're all equal, and you have way more control. It sounds better. It's shorter. Your question of velocity is way higher. Um, just give up on the in room mics; they're horrible.
1: Next question: Mike Edwards from Brooklyn, New York, asking, "Morning guys, my house of worship utilizes older Epson projectors as IMAG. Would you recommend upgrading to higher end projectors or using separate LED video wall panels instead?" Go ahead, Chris.
3: You know, Mike. I'm looking at your image here, and um, it's a it's a really bright room. And you're you got to remember the black will only be as black as what the lights are when they're off. And so, I think LEDs would be better if you could do it. And given the the layout of this room, it may be really interesting if you tried maybe two vertical screens it, you'd have to think about the way you compose things but given just the shape of the of the everything else in the room two vertical screens might be really interesting it, it's going to
2: cause some headaches but at least think about it good courtney yeah the led wall is the way to go i agree with chris that because the ambient lighting in that room is so high especially if you're conducting services during the daytime there's a lot of windows involved or if they just keep the ambient lighting from those chandeliers up, um, it's going to wash out the screens. And so you, to overcome that, you're going to have to have some very powerful projectors, which are going to get kind of almost as expensive as the LED panels. And so I'd go with the LED panels because they're going to be brighter and they're going to probably last longer. You don't have to change bulbs in them and a lot of other good reasons.
0: I'd be very curious to see if how big an 85-inch 80, TV looked there because they, they, these aren't massive projections. I'm not even sure if they're that much larger than an 85-inch TV. If I, could, if I had a TV that would fit in there, I'd put it in there because it's a lot less trouble. And um,
3: It actually looks four by three, honestly.
0: I know it's four by three, but I'm saying I wonder how the size, you know, right so if you did right. a vertical 85-inch TV the way Chris was talking about it, it'd be a lot brighter, a lot simpler in a lot less trouble to just do it that way. I mean, the, the problem with the LED panels is that they'll be expensive. You know, it'll be a lot more expensive than 85-inch TV. But otherwise, I, I would absolutely, in what you're showing us here, use an LED panel or an LED TV or, or LCD TV. Uh, next question.
1: Chris Weidner from Lafayette, Indiana asking, has anyone tried the portable furniture at the link below, thinking about them for a portable stage show setup? I did look at the link. You know why I looked at the link? Chris, do you know why I looked at the link?
0: Do you know why? Because oh, it was right. in early. <laughs> it was in early and I was able to review it. So, if it was just a quick reminder that if you put these questions in early, we can take a look at these and, th- and think about them. So, get them in before 6.30 a.m. Um, I would never use these uh, because uh, if I'm gonna have a nice furniture, I'm going to make it look nice. And I and I don't know if these really look nice. I don't know why I would spend $4,000 on on furniture and then and then have it, you know, like that, the, the the ROI on that seems to be very low. I could buy nicer pieces of furniture for a couple hundred bucks at Ikea and just leave them behind. Um, and I could do that quite a few times. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, I, I think that somebody thought this was a good idea and um, maybe somebody uses it, but um, uh, but I, I just don't know why I would fill storage space in a truck. I mean, th- these are the kind of things you get when you have a truck. So when you have a big truck, throw a bunch of chairs in. We throw chairs in, but we throw lots of chairs in. We just roll them in to the back of the truck, and the first thing that comes out of the truck are 20 chairs, and they're not very expensive. They cost 150 bucks, 200 bucks each. They're on rollers. They have high backs. They're comfy, and 20 of them come rolling out. They're usually lined, you know, tied together somehow so that we can kind of keep them as like a little gaggle, and they all kind of move to where our production area is and open it up, but if I was gonna... The problem is you would say, well, that's not, this isn't those chairs. This is the chair for the VIP. I would never put a VIP in a chair in a case <laughs> you know, like like that's what you know we wouldn't definitely have have good chairs for the for the vips I, so i don't i don't see how i would would ever use this uh this thing go ahead courtney
2: Yeah, unless you're doing a conference on uh, case manufacturing or truck drivers, or, you know, then it would be appropriate. (laughs) Exactly. uh, Because it looks like cases. Uh, Yeah, otherwise, for for $4,000, which is what this setup costs, you could buy some nice (laughs) nice chairs and some nice cases to carry them around in so that they don't get damaged when they're transported. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell. Didn't we show one that
1: had a kegger built into it sometime? That, that hasn't.
2: that could be more useful
1: um,
0: than the chairs. Uh, next question.
1: Chris Fenwick from Emeryville, California, and here on our panel. Has anyone else noticed the drop in reliability of Frame.io recently? After tweeting my problems, someone mentioned that there is a Dropbox feature that mimics some of the features of Frame. I go ahead, Mitchell. Um, I'm usually air gapped, and the other day um, I connected back up to the internet. And I can't quantify this, but I can certainly tell you that there was a lot of activity on Adobe between FrameIO and the operating system. I mean, it was just downloading files for whatever purpose. I don't know. I use Frame every day.
0: I haven't seen any change. Like, you know, like there's, you know, I've definitely occasionally had some something where it's a little slower uh, or a little over, but I haven't had any. I haven't seen any anomalies at all. And I was using it a lot yesterday. Go ahead, Chris. What
3: browser are you using?
0: Alex. Um, I use Chrome. Yeah. I use yeah, the Chrome browser, so, or or I use the, the transfer The transfer utility. app, right. Yeah.
3: So, literally, I couldn't, it would not refresh a window. I'd hit refresh, huh. and then it would and are you eventually, Chrome? I was in Safari. Okay. Uh, I will say and,
0: that I have had an enormous number of problems with Safari in the last two weeks, but I haven't, like, I've had all kinds of, like, laggy, stuck, you know, things not working well. Right. And I have right. to admit, it was... It may have al- always been there, but I was like, "I'm going to make Safari my my default browser." And then after about two weeks, I was like, "I'm going to make Chrome my default browser." <laughs> like every time, like it was just it was just uh, weird, weird like hang-ups and things. Yeah, and, and, things and that's exactly why
3: I asked the question because it, when I did when I tweeted it, I did get uh, uh, some traction from around the globe, yet saying yes that other people had seen problems. Um, but does anybody know what this? a uh, dropbox feature is for file uh reviews no, i would never
0: i would never i mean i I'm still not have a fan dropbox, of dropbox either I, I just i have I, I i the only reason i still have dropbox is because i can't figure out how to get all the files off and they've made an enormous amount of money on the fact that i'm just having trouble downloading them all you know so <laughs> you know so the um, i mean like they've made thousands of dollars on the fact that i can't figure out how to get all the files off um without spending like two weeks doing them by hand it's just oh, i hate that opera. I hate <laughs> he dropbox <bucks. laughs> and I, and I still pay them. Uh, go ahead, Bill.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about switching, and I have my eye on Altheon, which is a new program for Mac specifically that works really well with Final Cut. It is not as well developed; it is relatively new, but it looks like they're going to be a Frame I/O solid competitor, and they have some unique features. So that's that. I'm I'm not disappointed, and I still use Frame. But it seems like almost all the development now has moved into the subscription model, and I just don't like things that I have to subscribe to regardless. you can buy you can buy frame iO now and not subscribe. It's a separate thing still, but I just don't think the development is at the pace that it used to be, at least with a focus for us Mac users who are in uh, in final cut and things like that. And Altheon looks like it's coming up with a product that's going to do very much what we do used to do with frame, but in that environment. So I'm looking at that. And
0: we're going to have those guys on soon, so stay tuned. Um, next question.
1: Liberty White from Toronto, Ontario. Liberty asked, as a U.S.-based business, what things do you need to pay close attention to when paying international contractors or companies, payment
2: tools, et cetera? Go ahead, Courtney. Uh, keep an eye on the exchange rate because it varies. And if you agree on a price, you have to agree on whether that's U.S. dollars or whatever the dollars are of the uh, Person in the far end. I use PayPal for most of these transactions because it's easy. It does cost up to 3% for me uh, for international uh, uh, payments. But uh, they offer PayPal for business now. It's pretty universally accepted. uh, Almost all the uh, e commerce sites accept PayPal as a form of payment. So uh, it's easy for me. That's what I use.
0: Yeah. The, the, um, Conversion rate is, is quite a thing. Like I've actually I've been bit a couple of times, but generally I for some for whatever reason, I made a lot of money on, on the conversion rate because I bid everything in U.S. dollars and just say this: it's a U.S. dollar. This is what it is. I'm not going to make you change it. Um, and so far, I've 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 done okay. But you do have to pay attention to that um, that that rate, especially we've done things like around elections, and you worry because the election actually affects the the the, the strength of that currency. And so um, so that's been you know more more complicated uh, as as you kind of move through that. But the um, uh, uh PayPal um direct tra- you know obviously bank transfer you got to pay attention to what where does vat fit into what you're doing so you know are you going to have to fill out some forms that that give you um you know exempt status or not um so vat becomes a big deal because it's a big chunk it can be like 18% of your of your bill so um so those are things to pay attention to as well next question
1: Tony Mobley in Georgia asking I've been, I've been tasked with recording a live event for House of Worship 100 miles away from my home. I am considering using Cinemaker with iPhones and iPads as cameras. Does the panel have another suggestion for how I might be able to do this event?
0: Cinemaker could work really well. Um, you know, I think that my temptation would probably be to use, you know, some links. I mean, what I've been doing with the Michael Krasny show and other things with um, graymatter.show is, um, is using a... a an ultra studio with memo and a couple link cameras, um, and I have up to four of them, and they all it all seems to work pretty well. So I, you know, I'd be tempted to, you know, that's how I would do it is I would show up with a computer and some and some link web cameras as opposed to iPhones. Uh, I think it would be a lot, you know, you can't go quite, you can't put them in quite as many places, but you also probably will have less errata. This you know, is my guess. Um, next question,
1: Douglas Carmichael asking. Would the use of a mic on a boom arm on camera in a non-broadcasted online meeting make a negative impression on the other party, like I was showboating? You go ahead, Mitchell. Um, As the office hours resident showboater, and I have no taste, um, I think you do all that to taste. Uh, The only thing I don't like seeing um, are people that hold the microphones in their hands. So to answer your question, um, I don't think that there'd be a problem with it on a mic boom. In fact, a lot of people do it that way, and some mics... Don't work well as on a stand. They work better on a boom that can move around. Personally, I like my mic down and out of sight.
4: Good, Bill. Yeah, I used to always do two mics. I'd try to do a lav on the talent, but uh, then I would put a boom on a stand, not an operated boom, but a just a stand with a, a menace arm on it and the boom overhead to make sure I had two audio sources that were really good, particularly if suddenly the mic flips around and it got scratchy for a silk tie or something like that. That boom uh, mic saved my bacon a lot of times. Uh, so I, and you know, people are kind of used to the behind the scenes. I wouldn't keep it visible in the regular shot but uh, a release shot pulling back and showing the set or something like that people are really used to how production is done and i don't think it looks bad at all unless you're trying to fake people into thinking it's a very intimate one-on-one conversation with somebody emotional and then you want to keep the equipment out of things good courtney
2: i don't know about the showboating case of how it looks it's how it sounds is really important for the you know for your video Uh, i would go with a separate person handling that boom if you attach a boom to the uh, camera, that might be problematic, especially if it's coming out overhead because depending – if you're in an uncontrolled lighting situation, you could end up with a shadow right across the face of the person yeah. from the boom if it's he's not just, operated
0: I think it just means that the boom would be in the camera shot. I don't know if it means that it's that it's on the camera itself or attached to the camera itself. I think
2: it's just – Oh, a, I didn't yeah, understand I, it as that, but uh, yeah, the, uh, it's the mounted uh, on camera, not appearing on camera. Generally, you don't want to have it on camera in the frame. Yeah, obviously I don't care. <laughs> so so I
0: you know I um I I've tried to you know do as much as I can both within the show and within meetings in general is to make it just okay to have my mic in the frame because it just sounds better. Generally, sounds better to have the mic in the frame um, than it you know, than when it's out of the frame because it's closer to the source. Um, And so, I don't. I'm trying to kind of. I will admit that I'm trying to remove it because I just want everyone to do that so that it sounds better for me. (laughs) So down the road, so it doesn't. So I hear less of their room and less of everything else. And so, um, I use an underslung arm. Um, Obviously, I don't care about having the mic in the in the frame. Um, And uh, and I think that once people get used to it, it doesn't really matter. If it matters, a lot of times with this mic that you see here. I use a black shirt, and you know what happens? You almost never see it. <laughs> you know, a black shirt, a black, this black mic on a black shirt. I have another shirt that looks exactly like this one, except it's black, and if I go into meetings, oftentimes I wear it, specifically because the mic just kind of, it's not that I'm hiding it, but it just kind of disappears into the into the um, thing, and no one really thinks about it. Um, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Since so you're saying online, I'm assuming it's a podcast or something like that. Podcasts traditionally um, like to have their mic in the shot because podcasting started out audio only, so... Then I made the transition in the video, and the mics seem to have stayed. So I think it says something, too. It says that this is the podcast. Go ahead,
4: Bill. Yeah, that radio standard of people having a mic and thing, even from the Larry Kingdales and all the rest of it. And that's exactly why I wear black T-shirts. There's my mic sitting right there, and it's now it's gone. Now you see it. Now you don't.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead, Courtney. And I want to point out that I have the same microphone as Alex does, and it's out of the frame. And I think it sounds just as good because <laughs> it's not, not quite – I think it's almost – it's uh, it's within that close – that distance mm-hmm. to me. You're, the, the, the
0: challenge is is that you're a little large in frame. I bet you you're not quite in the Fenwick frame. And so what I've noticed is that I have to be if – I, if I am at that distance, I have to pull
1: it back in to get the, the performance that I want. Um, next question. And it's from Andy Kokendorfer from Vieira, Florida. Andy says, I'm expecting my M2 Pro MacBook soon. Are there any gotchas folks have come across with video operations? Thanks.
0: I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any issues with uh, the M2. I have an M2 Mac mini. I don't have the M2 Pro uh, MacBook so far. Um, But so far, everything's acted the way I expected it to. So, so far, so good. So, we'll see how it goes. Let us know.
1: Next question. Douglas Carmichael asking for the Super Bowl Game Creek video transcoded the ST twenty one ten signals to and from SDI because SDI is a common gateway all users can use it and it improves IT security. Wouldn't cat cabling be much easier than coax and what security issues would there be?
0: I don't know why I raised my hand. I, I, I'm still I go back and forth between a panelist now. Um, yeah, it's still more secure because it just can't carry a lot of information. <laughs> you know, like it's, there's not a lot to do on an SDI other than the video, um, and you know, twenty one ten is still kind of a newer thing. And again, as a common gateway, it's just easier to get things in and out of the out of that system. Uh, next question.
1: Next question coming in from Josh Kaufman in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The advanced video sharing feature was used by a PlayOut Video in a Zoom meeting. Meeting was recorded via the cloud option, and this recording exhibits audio sync issues. Not noticed in the live meeting. Note issue. Potential recording format issue.
0: You know we've seen this before in, and specifically in screen. Sh- in, sh- I've not done so. The, I have to admit that I never, um, sh- I never play video out through the screen sharing. I know that the advanced screen sharing can do that. Um, it's just that we don't do it very often, and and because it's just wonky and we usually have, if I'm doing that, I have a switcher or, a, or some kind of switching software that I'm going to use for playback um, that generally, you know, so I'm going to cut in because I want to be able to cut in and out and the process of screen sharing is cumbersome. So, um, so I so I don't have a lot of experience in um, actually doing that, but I can tell you that we see sync issues in records when we do screen cap. When we do anything that has video that has to be synced and we do any kind of screen sharing, we see sync issues. <laughs> so, so we, that, and I think that's early on, why, and I, the reason I don't have any recent experience is because like two years ago, I wrote off the idea of screen, of screen sharing videos. Um, and so the idea of screen sharing videos is not something that is common within our production pipeline anymore because it was so bad before. Um, they may have made, may may have made improvements, but I would never do that. Like, you know, in a, in a real event, um, I would, you know, so it was a known issue a long time ago. I don't know if it's improved or gotten worse, but we stopped doing it a long time ago because it was, um, we always cut it into a standard video input and we found that we didn't have any sync issues in the record the other problem that screen share has in general is if you don't get it just right it throws off all the resolution of all of your sources and so if you're doing a if you're doing a record and you put a screen capture in it's not exactly 1080 you know 1080p you're going to end up in some kind of weird format that that zoom does the screen you know i would you know i would only use uh zoom records uh, as a last resort, like, it, it, you know, to to do anything. Um, yeah, go ahead, Bill.
4: It's just a weird thing, but well, every time I see audio sync issues, I always think of sample rates. I'm not saying that's what's going on here, but it's weird because I now have one client who's an ongoing client who asked me to deliver work to them, voiceover work specifically, in 44.1. I have not flipped a switch in my software from 48... Uh, kilohertz to 44.1 in probably 15 years. And now I find myself having to go back and forth and it's driving me a little nuts. Uh, So I always just think if I have any kind of drift or if I have any kind of audio sync that is not fixed over time, I always look at sample rate because about 90% of the time, that's what it turns out to be. I'm not saying it is in this case at all or that Zoom's not handling that right. Just saying that's been my experience. Next question.
1: Douglas Carmichael again, uh, would there be a desktop stand for the Logitech blue Sona mic that would g- still give acceptable audio quality given the mics super cardioid pattern? Yeah, I mean, I think that I, again, I wouldn't use a desktop.
0: <clears throat> I would find a way to sorry. I would find a way to um, connect that to something else if you can. If there's any way that you cannot have your mic connected to your desk or or have it um, you know an arm is better. Um, but um, you know, like what I have, so I have this this arm that that holds this mic. It's actually connected to a different table, not my main table. And the reason I do that is so that if I tap my table or I do something, that that vibration doesn't transfer itself into the into the mic. Um, so um, so I even even with a um, shock mount, I prefer to just not have it because you can still if I hit, you can still hear that even with a shock mount. And so that's so I prefer to have it connected to a, another table that I have next to me. And so that's something that I would I would highly cons- I would strongly consider doing is to have a low uh, profile arm that's connected to a something next to you. And and by the way, um, as we go through it, we'll probably start the graphics early unless you have other questions. We are just ripping through these questions. <laughs> so um, so the uh, if you have uh, if you have questions about the graphics or not or not uh, general questions, go ahead and throw them in right now. Otherwise, we'll probably start the uh, the Super Bowl coverage early. Um, all right, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: I agree with what Alex was uh, saying about the stand. There's very little information out there in the wild about that particular microphone. I know none of our people have uh, had one to try out. The question is whether or not the mic is made with internal shock mount um, capability. Um, if it's not good in that area, if it can like if you can handle it and it makes noise, it's not going to work well on a desk.
4: Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, 100% agree with all of that. I have in the past when I've absolutely been forced to use a desk mount mics. And in sports coverage and things like that, I've had to do that a few times for a stadium announcing. Uh, I used to carry two or three of the really thick mouse pads with me and try to use that, um, it's actually skin diver suit material, as a temporary vibration stopper. And it's okay if you have to use them, but everybody has said it, anything that's direct couple, anytime you put your coffee cup down or something like that, you'll be likely to hear it if it's a sensitive mic.
2: Go ahead, Courtney. You can also put the high-pass filter on or the low-frequency roll-off, roll off off everything below 50 hertz, and that'll stop a a lot of that boom arm boominess if you tap on stuff. But it does take a little of the bass end out of your (coughs) lovely bass voice. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead. Next question.
1: Next question in from Tony Mobley in New Georgia. What is the best way to keep your setup area clean?
2: don't want to use compressed air. Go ahead, Courtney. Just make sure it only has vertical surfaces. Now, that's hard to do. <laughs> Nothing collects on it because gravity takes care of that for you. Go that's ahead,
1: I agree. Compressed air can be a problem because it just blows it around. Here's what I use I have this cute little uh, brush that I can use to brush things, and uh, it's very, very soft, so it's not going to change any of the settings on um, my ATM or a rack mounted gear if I decide to bright- wipe it down. Um, it doesn't it just moves the dust somewhere else. So you got to be prepared to get it off the floor or somewhere else by doing your regular vacuuming.
4: Good, Bill. And at Trader Joe's, they have this sandalwood cleaner that it comes in a big blue, light blue bottle. Uh, a, a very fine mist of that and a very big lint-free cloth is my clean up my desk of uh, choice thing. I, I like that stuff. I think it smells nice too, but it's not very toxic for anything.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just trying to, see if I can find it fast enough. Um, I use a uh, kind of a cleanup gel and I'm just trying to, um, I was trying to look through my Amazon, uh, my Amazon orders. Uh, It comes in a little bottle and what it does is it's just, it's, oh, it's called, um, it's a keyboard, it's actually called keyboard cleaner. Um, And so four pack keyboard dust cleaning gel. So just do a search for dust cleaning gel. It looks gross. Um, I will, I will tell you. You pull it out of a little, you unscrew it And you pull it out of this little um, uh, container and it's just kind of goo and then you put it on your on anything that you want to clean that has lots of little buttons and everything else it doesn't get into the buttons it just gets into all the dust and it just pulls it all up and it and it instead of pushing it around now i use a, a a small vacuum cleaner you can get these little keyboard vacuum cleaners and everything else so for things that are around that are surfaces obviously that i have to wipe I wipe um, things that have a lot of dust in little crevices. I find this gel works really well. Um, and you just got to push it in there. It just kind of absorbs all of that. And you peel it off and it just pulls everything with it without doing any damage. Um, and so I haven't found it to do any any major problems with my electronics. But it's a great way to clean things that have lots of crevices. Um, otherwise, um, I, uh, that's a non-purpose cleaner. Oh, that's what you, that's what, that's what.
4: Yeah, it's open. not sandalwood. It's cedarwood and sage. That's the stuff I use. It seems to do really well. Yeah. The, um, and
0: so, uh, so anyway, so that's, that's how, I, how I clean off uh, nooks and crannies. Uh, but otherwise, I use a vacuum or a cloth. Uh, the goo question.
1: works great on iPhones. The goo
0: works great on lots of things. Like I find that if there's things like I use it in my car to get into things that I can't get to, you, know, you just kind of push it into something, you pull it out, and it, you use it a couple times. And then you, know, it, it, a lot, you can actually use it more often than you think before you have to throw it away. <laughs> it just kind of absorbs everything out. Uh, next
1: question. Roscoe Jones in Madison, Indiana, asking, looking for a low-cost on-camera monitor with focus assist, mounting it onto a JVC-GYHD 258 HDV camera with a 16X lens. I will admit
0: most of my experiences with the Blackmagic cameras, which all have, all the ones that I've used have focus assist on them. So I don't know. That might be more price than you want to spend. Um, I believe that some of the Lilyputs um, as well as the f- uh, Feel Worlds, have focus assist on them as well. So those are less expensive monitors um, that may do what you want. And I believe that the Lilyputs, I know some of them have it, but I don't know if they're. They might start getting to the same price as the Black Magic. So Lilyput started very inexpensive and started working their way up the up the food chain. So, um, but Feel World is the new less expensive version of that. Um, yeah, go ahead, uh, Courtney.
2: Sorry, I was caught typing. Uh, small HD uh, makes some pretty good small monitors that have focus assist on them, too. They're designed yeah. for camera system. Yeah, absolutely. Mitchell? Yeah, this um, one I'm using right
1: here is made by Andy Sinney. And if it looks like a field world, it is because it is a field world. So there's a bunch of them around there.
4: Go ahead, Bill. And if you want to step up, the other big player in this space is Marshall. Marshall has a lot of uh, focus assist capable monitors. They tend to be expensive. They use really good um, panels, and they have a lot of overlays for a lot of scopes and things like that. So you're probably talking twice the price of some of these other ones, but they're very good. Next question.
1: From Tony Mobley, I'm part of a mid-journey Discord. Whoa, sorry about that. I'm part of a MidJourney uh, Discord. Mid Journey. It's not A. <laughs> there's, there's, there's one. Of the, the MidJourney Mid Mid Journey. Yeah, Discord. Discord. Sorry, I was distracted. But I do not know how to give access and use it. Can you please give a novice explanation of how to use MidJourney?
0: Yeah, so um, so the main thing with, with MidJourney is that you um, – I'm not going to open it because it opens up all my Discord. Um, but, but basically, if you go into di- um, MidJourney, uh into the into the general area you 're going to see newbies first of all there's a read this or for beginners at the very beginning and you want to read those those instructions um, but the first thing you 're going to end up doing actually what I would do first is scroll down and you 'll see things that are more about verticals and so um, you may see uh image for the day um, and different different challenges that are going on lower down in the mid journey and what you wanna do is go down there and look at it and watch what people are putting in. So start to look at the search terms. Don't start using, don't start typing stuff into the newbie area until you've watched what other people are doing and start going, oh, I see what's happening there. You might wanna write down a couple of the terms that make sense. Oh, I see what, you know, and, and some of them, I mean, some people put a lot of garbage in there. I don't think it makes any difference. It's kind of like a, it's, there's, there's a lot of superstition, you know, that goes on in the thing, like I'm gonna put in 8K and I'm gonna put in, but there are things like, like glam lighting, Definitely affects your image, you know like but but eight k eh, I'm not so sure um and, uh, you know so so the uh so you put these images, you put the stuff in, and uh, but what you want to do is look at what other people are doing um throughout that that process and start to take notes of those things, then you go up into the newbie sections, you can jump into those newbie sections, and you can type in a search term, and the way you type in a search term is you go up there and you go forward slash imagine. And then you put in your search terms. Um, now, if you want it to be 16 by nine at the end, you might go dash dash AR space 16 colon nine. You know, if you wanna change it, otherwise you're gonna get a one by one, which is fine for when you're getting tested, when you're testing and learning how to do it. Um, so, so anyway, so you can go into the newbie section and you get, I think 25 of those that you can do. Um, and so you can, you can sign up there. I mean, not sign up there, but you can test those. But test slowly, test, like do a couple things and then go look at what other people are doing. Do a couple more and go look at what people are doing rather than just just trying to just go off the top of your head and try to figure it out because you're going to burn up the credits that you have for free. And so just, you you want to learn, watch a little bit, learn a little bit, um, ask questions and, and use a couple search terms. After that, you can get the base, the base version I think is $15 a month if you want to give it a shot where you have a little bit more server time and you can kind of experiment. The thing to remember is, is that if you get the, base version that you're paying for, you can do slash relax. And that's not gonna count against your um, your server time. So slash fast counts against your server time, slash relax doesn't. So if you're willing to go slower, you can learn a lot. That's what I started with. I started with relax and I just let it go over a long periods of time. And then I can figure this all out. And what happens is once you've signed up for it and you, and you pay your $15, $15. It shows up as a little, it's like a mid-journey person. <laughs> like there's a, like all the people that you see in Discord, all the, you know, all the directs that you have, there's just a mid-journey one. And now you can just when you're talking to that mid-journey one, you're asking it. So and you can decide whether there's two different ways of using it. Um you can pay a little extra and not and have it be private. So all your all your stuff is only yours if you when you get the base one the 15 dollar one everything you do is going to be public it's going to all be shown you know into the into the feeds and so so you just have to know that that's that's how that how that system works um but it's a i will say it's a lot of fun um and uh, i have gone from not knowing what midjourney was to using it every day <laughs> for illustrations and and oftentimes just entertainment um the fun the, the if you really want to create a a cra- crazy feedback loop um you go into midjourney and uh, you go into chat gpt and have it describe something to you like describe a castle to a five-year-old and then and then it'll give you this description and then cut and paste that into your <laughs> see what it comes up with so now you have kind of a circular uh circular
2: access go ahead uh courtney and you can go on uh, youtube um i found a good channel for uh creating prompts uh by a guy named uh, christian heidorn he has a youtube channel here and his most reasonable one is on using negative tokens and so on. Because there's a, an entire hierarchy in how to craft uh, your prompts. Uh, there are secret sauce. There's certain uh, type of punctuation that creates you know uh, values you can add or remove. You can remove things, add things, emphasize things more than other things. Uh, once you know the language of the prompts that it, uh, it looks at and the tokens that Midjourney uses out of those prompts... And so you can find some good tutorials online on YouTube. Just take a look there. Yeah, and
0: we're probably going to cover AI in some ways, mid-journey probably pretty often, um, at least uh, once a month, just because it's it's growing so fast and it's so important to what we do. Uh, and so stay tuned for for more. Uh, a, mid, a journey second hour is probably a couple weeks away. Uh, next question.
1: Next question in from Josh Kaufman at Pittsburgh, PA. Josh asks, how many revisions is common to include in the base price of a deliverable for a client? What methods may potentially get negate the need for excessive revision requests and how principles to set pricing for extra revisions or scope creep. Go ahead, Mitchell. Um, generally it's like three, I mean, always a mezzanine, uh, level of uh, recording that could be, uh, transcoded to anything. Um, almost always a YouTube or social media version and, uh, sometimes broadcast. I think he's looking at revisions right, as opposed to versions. Um, you know so how many times does someone asked for a my apologies i completely yeah. misread that question yeah. good bill
4: well i think it depends you know this all of these things are relationships so what is your relationship with the person on the other end not the client necessarily but whoever you're working with on that side of things and for me i'm a little more flexible in the early days of working with a client cuz i want them to see me as being somebody who's flexible but i listen for those times when they don't know what they're looking for and it's the kind of client that can put me through endless revisions for no good reason just because they can't make up their mind that is death in these kind of relationships you need to have uh, a professional relationship where they know there's a limit to what they can ask and suddenly they say you know i want to triple everything can you do it at the same price you gotta make (laughs) that note and go this may not be somebody i want to work with for the long run
0: yeah, I mean, so a lot of times we look at the revision, three is usually typical. And in a lot of our contracts, we have uh, three uh, non-recursive edit, uh, uh, cha- set of changes. Non-recursive means you can't change something the first time and then change it again the next time. <laughs> like change it back or, or 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 you know anything, if you didn't ask for it in the first revision, asking for it in the second revision, you know, asking for something new. Like what we what we want to do is is change the things that we changed. You know, so it, it what it tries to do is force people to really think about it in the first revision. Now, I will say for, for larger clients and larger budgets, we don't do that. We just kind of, there's a dance back and forth. We're going to show them something, they're going to send it back. We're going to show them something, they're going to send it back. We're going to show them something, they're going to send it back. And we don't, and we usually bid into it that we have, you know, the hours to do that, you know, and, and so what you're looking for is the number of editing, the, the amount of editing time required to have a lot of back and forth with the client. It's a lot less stressful for them. If you start nickel and diming them every time they make a change, you're creating a stressful event and they'll probably won't come back. <laughs> you know, So so we do everything we can to kind of account for what the client may do. Um, if a client is unreasonable, you, I have to admit that I would love to say that there's a bunch of ways to doing this, but I usually just, don't get that client again, you know, like you know like it's you know, and so we do the best we can to kind of manage that if they're asking for additional assets, then usually we're charging for, oh, I need a new three d asset, well, that's going to cost money i need a I need a new um graphic asset, well, we have to hire someone to do that, but if they're asking for back and forths of editing or back and forths of of making those things, those are kind of things that you hope to account for, and sometimes you just have to have experience a lot of times you know we we joke that you take what you think it's going to do and then you multiply it. Um, you double that, and then before you put the bid in, you double it again. <laughs> so, so you have four times as much in there as you think you need. It's better to come back to the client at the end and say, "Hey, you know, we didn't we didn't use all that editing time, and I'm going to give you back this much money," than it is to come back to them and ask for more money because they made a bunch of changes. Like that's not a that's just not a great way to experience for their their experience. And so, um, so anyway, so I I do everything I can to avoid revisions, revision charges. Um, you know, because, uh, and, and I try to, we try to calculate that into the, into the initial budget. Um, next question.
1: Douglas Carmichael asks, I'm monitoring the performance statistics from Azitop as I install all my virtual instruments on my M2 Pro Mac mini and the OS has already started to use swap uh, 0.3 and one gigabyte, even with only 18 gigabytes a 32 gigabyte RAM in use. How could that be? On a Mac, you should just pay attention to the end performance. You shouldn't worry about how it's managing
0: the the memory and everything else, because if you're managing that, you're going to be worried about something that may or may not matter. Um, It's going to do what it thinks it can do, um, you know, correctly and to the highest performance. So it'll start to do whatever it feels like it needs to do. Now, if you're seeing delays and hiccups and so on and so forth, that's another thing. But if you're just trying to look at the raw performance It is using such an amalgamation of of drive and GPU and CPU that you're not going to know what that actually means to what it's doing. It's probably taking some smaller assets from the system and just putting them over there because it's like, well, I don't need to keep these in in active memory. And so I'm just going to protect those. Um, Go ahead, Bill.
4: Yeah, exactly what Alex says. Back in the early days, they built into the silicon that Apple was making even before the new stuff uh, a, a function called Grand Central Dispatch that takes in commands going into the processor and manages them incredibly efficiently, that's one of the reasons that the performance can be so high inside these these Mac systems. And so I, I don't even think about that stuff anymore. Alex is exactly right. If you are losing real-world performance on the back end, then you can go upstream and try to figure it out. But trying to figure out in advance in a, this sophisticated system, I just don't think there's anything you can do to affect it and make it better. Yeah, go ahead. Next question.
1: From Tommy Shantz in St. Paul, Minnesota, where would be a good place to learn more about LED panel construction?
0: I have to admit, I kind of want to bring the guys from Vu back Vue back into the uh, uh that in was just a, for a second hour. Wow. second hour on panel construction, if they're willing to. Um, you know, what to order and what to think about. I think there's a whole second hour on just LED construction that, that would be really interesting to see if they're willing to um to share their knowledge with us uh, related to that. But um it I, it was fascinating if you didn't see our second hour yesterday what a great hour like it was just a really really great second hour of just it's inspiring in the sense that they got themselves into a pickle during as a lot of companies did during COVID, and they just muscled their way out and thought thought quickly and made the turn and um, now have a thriving business related to led walls and so on and so forth and so i think that that's a real um really interesting it was really interesting as far as their business but it's also, you know, we got into some of the tech with them, but I would love to dig further into it. So we'll see if we can get them back for a second hour or a lab where we can, you know, talk through some of those things. I think that that's the only place I know. There's it's not written anywhere. I think they just figured it out by ordering a bunch of panels and like, you know, cobbling together some some bits and pieces and figuring it out. So it'd be really good to try to bring them
1: back. Next question. Douglas Carmichael asking, Mitchell, what did you mean by a social media version of a project? I've seen plenty of YouTube content that can hold its own with the paid streaming services. Go ahead, Mitchell. Um, I'm actually referring to YouTube as one of the main uh, culprits here. Um, uh, H264 or 265, generally what they use. Um, There are a number of other smaller, different, uh, like Facebook Uh, Which are close but not quite the same. So start out with a good mezzanine format and then transcode that as you need it for everything else, including YouTube.
0: Yeah, it's it's a um, uh, a lot of times when you're building these, it's also all kinds of aspect ratios, and so you may have a shorts version, a sixteen by nine version, an Instagram version, which will be one by one, uh, you know, four K version. You know, there's all kinds of things that you may, you know, when you put these out, you you're also like even though. You're nine by sixteen on TikTok and on youtube shorts the the debris that shows up from the from the app is in different places, <laughs> so you might have to move that debris around um, to you know the screen debris to um, to make make your stuff look right so those are all challenges go ahead bill
4: exactly what you're saying now I work with a lot of art directors and they have multiple deliverables, and even some of the things you think. You know, like, oh, I see a lot of square format or I see a lot of tall format in my Facebook feed or my Instagram feed. Often they will take a 16 by nine and then do something in terms of an eye catcher above it and a call to action below it with a click space. So. Just every service you're heading toward at the at the top end of professional is looked at in terms of what can I how can I maximize the amount of space that I am purchasing so that I can do the maximum job of attracting eyeballs and getting clicks if that's the client's desire. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Mitchell.
1: Yeah, it's also interesting. Uh, I do a lot of corporate work, pharmaceutical work, and it's almost always YouTube. But uh, recently, I've been doing some work uh, from Hollywood and uh it's unbelievable the versions of uh of programs that they want to alex's point all kinds of aspect ratios yeah and and when you th- when you think about the versions of things that go out um oftentimes
0: once you start to talk about film distribution and all the other bits and pieces um sometimes something can be produced hundreds of times if you think about all the captions all the dubbing all the um you know there are so many versions of something that has to go out and that's this is where these these big pipelines get built where you know you build this very complex nodal um like I'm going to put out all these outputs a, com- a teleca um telestream makes a lot of these bigger tools but there's a lot of other companies that make them as well that process it all you drop it in and it's going to push out you know huge numbers and then you have to quality control all that <laughs> so so it's like so somebody's sitting there having to watch a lot of it to make sure that it comes out especially for a large um event uh, or a large um uh product it's going to it's going to go through a lot of QC um, before it goes out, and so it's just it's it's really much more complicated than it sounds. Uh, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Yeah, it's easy uh, when when I'm doing stuff in After Effects. It's easy to create multiple um, aspect ratios, but in invariably in every case, you have to move logos around and uh, text in order to fit that particular version, and that's where the real work gets done.
0: Yeah, one of the things I've been thinking about for doing stuff in Final Cut is actually building a, I was going to talk to Alex Goldner about this actually, but building a plugin for InMotion that has different items like text and everything else in different places and be able to have a switch that says, I'm doing this for shorts, I'm doing this for uh tock and it would just move all the stuff over to where it needed to be based on whatever switch i kind of went back and forth on and the cool thing there is that you could rent hit render and then flip the switch and hit render again and it would just do the same thing it would output it you were going to say something bill
4: yeah you should uh, i have a friend charlie austin who worked at a trailer uh, house in los angeles and the number of versions he had to kick out was unbelievable what he figured out was a way in final cut to use roles to actually change the slates on the front of all the different versions, and then an automated system of punching it all out. It took him like a week or something like that to get them all set up. But once he did, he could run 50 different versions with the punch of a button. It was really a fascinating thing. Charlie may be around somewhere. He may be able to get him on the show. Be That'd be great. To talk to
0: It'd be fun to have him on. Yeah. The... It's it's funny when you get a little downtime, spending that time trying to figure out how to automate something that that you have been working on. When I was in uh, print, one of the big problems that we had was that you know you, you I want to I'm in I was based in Denver and I want to do a do a uh, an ad in St. Louis. You know I did print ads for Prime Sports Network, and so I you know I I want to run a print ad there. Um, and what I would do is is I you build the print ad in Quark. You'd load all the images in from Photoshop or whatever you you package it up and put it on a fourteen point four bod modem
2: <laughs> and it
0: would send it for an hour and a half a little print ad like a little print ad it took like an hour and a half to get to get to and 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 what I realized while I was doing this and i you know this i was i don't know i mean I was twenty two years old or something like that and getting paid seven fifty an hour um anyway but the uh uh, I realized that all the time was moving the images. All the all the time was moving the the stills. And so what I did is I worked with all the service bureaus in my entire region, the mountain region, and I worked with them to um, load up. I, I had this huge library of images that I had corrected and built up, and I put them in all in in um, storage in all the service bureaus. And no one had ever done that before, so they they, were, they thought I was a little nuts. And um, but then I could just send a Quark file. They just referenced those images, and so as long as they put them in the same folder and opened it up, it would just grab those images. And so I could do all the design of the, um uh, I could do the design it. And as long as I didn't step out of those images, and I had hundreds of them, as long as I didn't step out of those images, I could always just send them, send the ads everywhere, and I could send it at ten o'clock in the morning to be printed in the evening newspaper. And uh, and and it was funny when the ad agency showed up after that, because then I was suddenly, and then everyone got used to it. Everything went from oh, we need this the day before to everyone just got used to be telling me at nine o'clock in the morning where they wanted ads and it would all be there in the evening. And, and when I left, they had to go back to the ad agency and she <laughs> was a little overwhelmed. <laughs> like they didn't quite understand how that worked, but I saved so much time, you know, um, doing that, but it just sat, you know, I had, I had downtime and I filled it with efficiency, um, uh, methods. And that's, that's what you always want to try to think about is you write down things or you note things that are taking a long time. And when you get a little bit of time to work on them, you 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 cut those out yeah go ahead mitchell
1: uh as an aside the first thing i learned with dealing with our friends in hollywood is that they're not interested in your art directing uh uh, movement of logos and things like that it's all been decided by rooms full of people and then more rooms full of people so it was kind of interesting uh getting used to that uh, cultural difference and aspects and where you place things i know that logo really wants to go up there but nope they want it right here (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of
0: discussion about uh, pay grade. <laughs> you know where, where where I work. You know, like you know, just if, if they if they want if they ask for input of where do you think it would be, there's lots of opinions that I have. But if, if they don't ask, oh, they do, they do a lot of times. They're like, I don't know, because I work on a lot of things that no one never done before, so they don't have any strong opinion about it. And uh, so they go, where should this go? And I go, oh, here it is. But otherwise, we don't ask any questions. We don't make any comments. We don't like say, oh, that didn't really work, or that this would be better if it went somewhere other way. We're just like, um, you know how high <laughs> like if they say they want it they're like how what color red do you want sure got it so anyway um that's the way that's the best way to kind of move yeah, it,
1: it. it was funny because the uh the people i've been working with say you work in corporate don't you and i'm like yes <laughs> yeah. so um which is
0: way easier in my opinion anyway so it's a whole other story um i i i mostly just as a aside i mostly prefer corporate I'm, I'm happy to work in hollywood when i when i do but corporate's a lot uh it's more, more pay, less trouble. <laughs> so, so anyway. Um, uh, all right. Next question. Uh, not, not, not next question. But we're jumping subjects. Um, so, we are now going to talk a little about the Super Bowl. Um, so, uh, generally, the Super Bowl uh, graphics are something that um, that you know is a big deal. The Super Bowl for those watching who don't watch the Super Bowl is probably the most viewed thing every year at this point. Um, When someone posted something about this last year's Super Bowl compared to, like, the final episode of MASH and the final episode of whatever, and it's – every year it's producing roughly 100 million viewers at the same time. There's nothing that comes close to that these days. (laughs) So, so it is – you know, so, there's – I mean, everything else sits in the 20 million and below generally. And and most things are just slowly fading away, and the Super Bowl keeps on getting bigger. So, um, so that that's the reason people pay a lot of attention to it is because it's a it's a big live event, um, that that happens in a very short period of time, you know, and and so a lot of people are watching them. Um, I think the only thing that really competes with the Super Bowl is FIFA, you know. So the 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 World Cup, I think, is bigger actually than the Super Bowl, but um, but I think that that's the only thing that I know of that that really gets that kind of um, uh, that level. So. Uh, oftentimes we like to pay attention to it. Last year, I think we did a whole watch party with it. Um, and uh, and so, but we just captured some of the pieces of it, um, you know, this, this time. I did upgrade uh, to 4K. It looked good for YouTube TV. Uh, I, got, I jumped into the upgrade for YouTube TV so that I could see it clearer. You know, Fox is, yeah. Uh, Fox, they, they, only put up 720p in the in the regular version a lot of other ones are all 1080p fox is like 720p and then you can pay for the 4k but there's no 1080p available so you either had to watch it and i guess it's a good business model it's a little 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 frustrating um anyway but uh um but the uh, let me just i just my computer went to sleep here um so um sorry um so We'll take a look at these graphics if you have uh, comments or questions about the graphics that we look at. Um, if you don't have any comments or questions, then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll this will be a real short <laughs> second hour. Um, but we have uh, the graphics. If people want to bring up some, of, we can discuss some of the commercials. I don't have all the commercials queued up. I just have the graphics, but we can talk about some of them. I do have a little bit of the Rihanna thing that we can kind of show as well to talk talk through those things. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Uh, overall, I would say that Fox generally has kind of a different uh, approach to doing graphics they're not as sparkly and impressive as some of the regular networks. Um, and I thought that they were kind of playing. They did some neat things with uh, 3D uh, objects that were pinned and moved into perspective. Yeah, we'll show camera. those. That was and,
0: pretty cool. Yeah, the AR stuff is stuff that, you know, is starting to kind of, you know, uh, be used. And we'll talk about what worked about that and what didn't work about that, which is, I think, I, when I watched it, there was, the, most of it worked really well, and but there was a certain part of it that I'll show that I I was a little as someone who does um, graphics was a little uh, like oh someone's going to have a meeting about that <laughs> so so anyway so we'll we'll take a look at that um, yeah, let's we'll we'll jump to this here real quick let me uh, let me jump into um, so here is um, here's the here's the base this is the first graphic that we saw here and you know overall I mean overall I think it's nice it's it, as as Mitchell said I think that Fox doesn't doesn't really try to um, necessarily show off so to speak. Um, they, uh, you know, it's kind of. Sorry, I'm looking for my pen. I can of misplaced my pen. No, oh, there it is. Um. So, uh, you know, one thing you want to do, and and I would highly because it doesn't. So you can see this here, and you and the thing to look at is like little gradients here. Add, you know, they definitely add things and little highlights here. Um, you'll see this little, you know, these little details that don't seem like they're important do add some production value to what's going on. And I would highly recommend. I, I do this all the time. The reason I have um, the reason that I have uh, YouTube TV at all is so that I can do what I'm doing right now. Is that I want to break down a show and I want to look at it and and figure out what what's working, not working. But I will tell you that this is how I got my first graphics work on television. Was that I took graphics um, specifically from Fox <laughs> and um, I re- recreated them. Um, Pixel for pixel, I recreated what they what they were doing um, and I didn't necessarily use that in my demo reel, but if you know you'll learn a lot if you get to a point where you can do what what you see in these graphics when you look at them, they don't look that simple, but I promise you that if you haven't done graphics just this lower third here, that would probably take you a week. You know, like it would take me a couple days to get it just right. Um, It's not, it's much more complicated than it looks. And so you want to, and that's not counting the design there. I'm not a big fan of this little gradient down here. For some reason it popped out for me, but that's a whole nother nother thing. So you can see it here. um, And this is, you know, just, so here's another one here. And one of the things you want to look at is there, you know, you want to look at what are they continuing to use. There's elements that that are part of the look um, that are there. Uh, little this, some things for me because these are automatic; they're being generated dynamically. Uh, some things that bother me is when this text gets a little too close to the edge. Uh, text close to the edge, um, especially when there's plenty of room over here. I know that it's because it's an automated generate, aut- automatically generated, but it felt like this side was a little crowded um, as as you know from from this side here um, to to make that actually work. But we have to also remember that all of this stuff is being generated. <clears throat> in real time so it's this isn't something someone did in after effects i mean they might have designed it in after effects but those elements are being delivered to a real-time graphics engine and they you know so they're all kind of placed as a set of rules as opposed to something else there so you'll see that that that's there Um, one thing to look at here is even stuff like this you'll see these lines were designed and they're very very subtle in there and then they kind of clear it out in the center and you really want to look at how that kind of focuses your eye towards towards the center as you, as you kind of go through that as well. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead, Bill. Well,
4: it's interesting that they've left justified the left side type and center justified the stuff to the right of it. Uh, I, I know having dealt with Expanding and contracting pieces that you're going to put into something automated, it's really hard to make those choices because, whichever choice you make, you find a different piece of graphics that comes in and you wish you'd made the other choice. Well, and I think that's one that's interesting.
0: I think one of the reasons that they did that most likely is because it protects this area. If you center it and you get a long, it'll stick totally out right. here. Yeah. And then you probably said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna justify it here, and and we have this many characters to go out, and or you know, don't go, you know, they they probably looked at all the options, and this probably there's probably something that goes this long on this graphic, (laughs) you know, like you know, and so for them to make that decision, because I think that if if it was if so, there's probably another element that uses not something else that uses this element that is that is probably ends right about here.
4: Well, and, and they've centered the weather word and the State Farm Arena long thing. So I think that's why they're pulling the centering rather than right. moving that 76 over so that the, both right. the elements and the lower thing are left justified. And these are the kind of things that art directors fret I'm, over all the time and make calls about.
0: And again, I think that this is partially it's designed to work with a bunch of different text and it, and it doesn't work perfectly for for any of them. You're gonna say something, Courtney.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say since that's specifically the weather bug. The text on the left is going to be fixed. It's always going to be temp and forecast, but the stuff on the right is going to be variable to, at game time. The, it could be partly cloudy or... Right. You know, yeah, you're right. Instead so could of clear. Be this, so this is the
0: thing that could the be... The stuff
2: on the right yes.
0: is going to be changing. The stuff yeah. on the left is... Right. The, and, and if this is only the weather thing, a lot of times this graphic is weather is what it's saying right now, but it could have been, you know, a lot of different things. And also the,
2: the okay. asymmetrical framing is drives me a little bit nuts with the corner torn off or turned up... Uh,
0: it, you know, it doesn't bother me until it, uh, until it, the text gets too close to it,
4: and then it bothers me a lot. Put <laughs> you know, so, it the three little pips at the bottom and then that little angled thing up? I guess it's just a design element, but that's interesting.
0: Yeah, and you'll notice also when we play it, you'll notice that those lines are kind of moving underneath. They're kind of moving underneath something there. So there's like a, they're alphaed out, you know, so you see how they're kind of fading out as they move. So there's there's a little bit of movement in there as well. Um, so here's the, and we'll kind of, again, you want to look at how you, usually these aren't just simple wipes. So you'll see how they, this is animated out. So these are popping out like this, and then then this is going to rise up out of that. And as it's doing that, these are spinning inside of that space, and then you'll see the you'll see the other part open, open there. So it seems <clears throat> when you when you watch it at speed. It just seems kind of fun, you know, that you're doing that. But the thing to do with a lot of these graphics is to really look at how, you know, like what are they actually doing? And and this is just a good example of it. Um, we can, but I would highly recommend, you know, looking at that stuff. I don't think that's a great look right there with those, <laughs> the, way, the, way that, the way that those zeros popped out. There's like a little alpha channel there that isn't perfect. Um, anyway, but the, uh, but otherwise, you know, it's a, and then here it's showing you who's got the, who's got the ball and, and a lot of those things, like it's not just a line, you can see it's got a line, but there's also a, you know, a gradient that's kind of going down like a light that's like kind of a um, a, uh, um, reflection that's kind of coming down over this as it goes through. And those are all the little things you wanna try to pay attention to, you see how it, when it turns on, see how it just kind of it comes on there and it blinks a little bit and it blinking like that is designed to gather your eye. Your eye will see movement, so if it, 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 you'll, you'll be more likely to look down and see it and note it for a second. Um, if it, if it just blinks a little bit or just moves, and a lot of times movement is designed to bring you, bring your eye to it, and then it stays stationary to have you only need it after that when you need it. Um, so you'll, you, 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 they don't, you don't want to distract people all the time. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: You know, it's interesting about both graphics you've shown is that they don't really look like. Three-dimensional graphics in that they were designed in 3D software. They look more like layered to look like 3D. Yeah, uh, it, so they can have all these uh, different effects going on. Yeah, and
0: it, it is interesting. That, you know, a lot of the stuff. I mean, this 3D here, obviously, in the logos, but it does feel like it's a very 2D-ish. Um, it's not. Doesn't feel as 3D as some of the other um, some of the other uh, networks. You know, as far as how that goes,
4: even on the zero and the uh, the red. Very subtle outline of the zero on the left when it pops up. And I assume that there's a little blue one on the right. I mean, that's the level of attention to detail yeah. they're going through. And here you can see some of the changes there. Again, these, these little animations
0: are going to open that up and bring in the, um, what their position is. Um, and, and again, these are all, remember that these aren't done in, in – uh, these are not done – these are all done live. So the, that data is being driven in live um, into the system automatically. Um, and then, uh, and then here we have uh, this is the super. Now this is obviously a three D render that you can see here of this ring, and so it spins in, spins down, and then they used it as a little as a little uh, highlight there. I thought this was a nice. I thought it was nice. I I felt like the ring. I admit, I felt like this roll in was a little garish. Like I wasn't as excited about about the ring there. But but I, when they brought it down to use it that way, I th- I thought it looked kind of nice. A um, couple things that they've moved away from here that I noticed was uh, is that it's more of a cartoon, um, and this is something that we've seen um, Fox do for a little while. Is a cartoon of you know rendering of the of the person um, as well as uh, not moving, so it's not green screen. Some of them, a lot of things that have been being used by other platforms have been. Um, you know, having the person sitting there, standing there, doing something, and they're going back to this. I I actually prefer the cartoon over the, the live person. It always looks a little uncomfortable. It's like, uh, what do I do here? You know, and so um, so I I, I find that to be nice. One thing to look at is how many little light beams that they, you know, little little uh, lens flares um that they added to it. And if you, you you can see that a lot as it, you know, as it kind of spins up. They you know they have a lot of you know you have uh, you know lens flare, lens flare, lens flare,
1: lens flare. The, the nice uh, usually, thing about the uh, the cartoony look too is it doesn't compete with the live video underneath it.
0: Yeah, and I just I think that a lot of times the green screen wasn't done very well that most people use. Um, so I was, you n- n- oftentimes not not that impressed um, with what I what what I was looking at, um, you know there. So I think that I think this this actually works pretty well. What's interesting also is that it is, um, it is. In contrast, uh, they don't show all the players, so they don't, they don't, they don't do that li- player lineup. All they did with the quarterbacks, which is a little bit of a bummer for the linemen. is <laughs> the only time they get, you get to see who they are. Um, but, but I think that that, is a, uh, that that was something that I thought, they, they spent all their time on this. This gives them a lot more control too. I think it's, it's a pretty stressful event to put all those names up and have to announce them because they, you, know, you have very little time to get that done. Um, let's, let's jump to some of the questions or comments.
1: First question in from Douglas Carmichael asking, Alex, what sort of real-time graphics engines are you referring to? I've heard the name VizRT used a lot and saw their logo on Jeff's screen during office hours space. Yeah, uh, VizRT is a is a pretty um,
0: pretty common one to be used. Chiron is another one. Expressions from Ross is another one. So these are all different graphics engines um, that uh, that are used for, for these systems. And we'll, I think we're going to get some folks from Ross on relatively soon. And we'll probably bring some of the other folks on as well. So, um, so that's, um, but that, those are the ones that, that are pretty common for these. And a lot of times they're used in, in conjunction. So you might have Ross doing the AR, VizRT doing some other per, par, part of the graphics and the lower thirds being done by the Chiron. So it's not, it doesn't have to be one thing that's doing those either. Those are all feeding in key fills independently um, into that system. Um, next question.
1: Another one from Douglas uh, asking, a TV technology article mentioned the Game Creek Prime 1 unit used for the Super Bowl studio show was originally built for Thursday night football on Amazon Prime Video. How would they have de-Amazoned the truck? New graphics and the servers? I don't think they need to de-Amazon it. I mean, the graphics are, you know, usually come on a thumb drive. <laughs>
0: you know, so, like, this is, this is what we're using for today. Uh, the trucks are pretty, um, you know, it, it probably means that the truck was 4K. Um and so that that makes it a lot um a, a little bit simpler to to make that happen because I think the Amazon trucks are 4K I believe um and so um, but I don't think they had to de-, anima- de-, de Amazon anything um to make it probably work
1: it was just built for that
0: and then they moved it over go ahead Mitchell
1: I noticed on the uh, the Prime One trucks doing the pre pre game show they were all out of sync on what their lips were out of sync in the oh, beginning go ahead,
2: Courtney. slight yeah they were complaining online if you're watching the the uh uh chat at the time the uh they had a definite problem and everyone was seeing it with lip sync in the pregame show uh with that truck Uh, i have to admit it's probably not the truck (laughs)
0: that caused the lip sync issue but um but those are things you know delay is is a constant problem you know and and how much it delays and i assume the audio was ahead of the video so you know my guess is if the audio was a lot ahead, of, much or a lot ahead of the video, the the real challenge is is that coming from the pregame, what probably happened is it got into a, a route
2: that wasn't delayed. You know, just the the audio wasn't delayed. Also, they had two different locations because they had their booth that was on the field yeah. and they had their booth that was outside the stadium in a yeah. in a on the parking lot. So it could be the ven- a venue you know from each venue had a different
0: path and that was when they could have been again it 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 probably meant that somehow the audio and video were just passed straight through without um or the that they were passed separately which would be worse um and that would drop it out of sync so yeah i think that it probably just meant that an audio path didn't there are so many you know thousand audio paths and a couple got through you know one show um and i'm sure there'll be meetings about that later um all right let's go ahead and jump into um take take a look at this again um, so let's uh, let's move forward. Again, you see kind of the the timer This is why it was so I think that if you look at this you'll see that this this thing is kind of what we saw with the weather. So this was kind of a generalized um, solution that they use um, for you know these layouts and these layouts. They add the logo, move things over, but it, you know obviously they kind of created a look. Um, to make that actually you know that's that's a, that's a look that they that they used um and just customized it for each thing a thing to, to also look at though is there is you know you think that this is all white but if you really look at it there's just a subtle ever so subtle gradient on that on that piece there and a little bit of that again as, as bill was talking about a little bit of shadow there um and so that it's really it it's a pretty subtle
4: thing as they as they look at it now here's the Here's well, you just were. Can I make one more comment, Alex? Yeah. Look at the the director had that camera off center so that the graphic fit. That was actually the shot before. It was a beautifully composed shot. You've yeah. got the ref in the top. You've got the graphic in the bottom, and then the entire team is well, in it, one place. So that's all by design.
0: Yeah, and and when you look at that, just just be clear that that's a that's a, um, a cable cam that is panning around the huddle, and I'm sure. Uh, told to to protect for that graphic you know like it's so there so that's a so what bill Bill made a really good point it's a that's a pretty complex complex little uh, choreographing it's not just they threw the graphic over top of everybody they told them to protect to the right or protect you know protect to the left and and um and then made that happen so it's it's a it's, it's pretty interesting um here's your uh here's your this is your sweeper or your or your thing so of course you have your gratuitous um lens flare there in the center um, which i i found a little garish um you know to do that that way but i think it's just there because that's the one place that you that you're they're not covering up so you'll see usually what happens with the sweeper is is that you have this is your you know your a roll and you'll see the b this is b roll so an a you know so that you're converting um you know from one to the other you have to figure out when when are you going so that's, so basically, because really when you're looking at this, a big graphic shows up and you cut from one to the other. And so what happened was is that, that they, they were on A, A, B. A, you know, so you see that there, if you look at it, this is the, the, your sweeper or your, or your stinger is designed to distract you from the fact that we're cutting from a close up to the wide, right there. So, so it just cut there and, uh, and you program that in. You say the stinger's gonna go and on this frame you, you make the change. Um, but we're there distracting you. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't like this very much. Just here's the I really thing. I like... hated
2: at the end. Go ahead and play it forward just a little bit. The glitch at the end. That makes. I saw that first time. I saw that. I thought, oh, that's a switcher mistake, like a double punch. No, no it's, it's it designed that way. <laughs> yeah, they designed it that way.
1: Alex, now, I think the I think the flare works because. First of all, we're looking at it slowly, but it's sort of signaling something's going to happen here. So be prepared for it. And yeah. 3D graphics—you I mean, look at can it in real time—look really it's, horsey if they it, just. It, throw it, doesn't really in there.
0: it doesn't really tell you. It doesn't really like it all. happened. like we we went through it slowly. But if you watch it, it just got. It's kind of like, boom. it's really fast. I mean, it's 15 frames or so. And. Um, me, but I, I just don't know if the flare. I, uh, the flare is there. I think just to cover up the fact that there's a big open space when they switch. You know, they switched here. Um, like it really jumps. Quickly into that. Now, I will say that the thing that is nice when you look at this as well is when you're thinking about your 3D elements. Um, what you're noticing here is that this is a, you know, this is a textured front. So a lot of times for those of you who don't do a lot of this, we have usually five or six different things that we can um, control. So, um, so basically, you have this front, you have the bevel, you have the the depth, you have the other bevel, and then you have the back you know, and sometimes there's a couple, there might be one or two other attributes, but we can control typically how big this bevel is and what's on the bevel. We can control what's on this side piece. We control what's on the back bevel and and what's on the back face. And so what you're seeing here, and this is a, a great way to separate stuff out. Now I normally would have made the bevel itself something else as well, you know, just something slightly different to give it a little bit more shape. But what they did here is obviously the bevel itself, as well as the depth is um, you know a just a basic chrome, and then this was some kind of um, you know texture that they that they added to it um, to to that front area. But you do want to always think when you're doing three D lettering of that kind of you know creating some some delta um, some difference in in those in those areas. Is, is I'd throw
1: I'd throw some ambient inclusion in around this so that it causes. The letters to pop off of each other a little bit better. I don't, they're not really over top of each other to get much ambient. Well, but next they they could be showing shadows. The other thing I noticed uh, is the edges seem a little ratty. Is it just because of the the playback system we're using, or what? Not um, Aliasing. I mean, oh, I
0: I think that I think that any aliasing that we're seeing here is is just because of the compression. This was just pulled off of YouTube, so I don't think I don't think there's actually you know uh, I don't think that's there. Um, so here's the, here is your, now w- one thing to notice here is that, um, that I want, what I will say is they're, they didn't use the Telestration very much. Like you barely ever saw it. And, and when you're watching something like, uh, some of the Sunday night football and Thursday night football, a lot of times you see them use it every play. And I really felt like they, they either, they definitely chose not to use it that much. Also notice that there, that there is a little bit of a, of a black background to it to really have it set itself out so it's not just yellow over top it's got a little bit of a shadow operation there kind of to the you know to the side here kind of goes that direction just to kind of separate it from what from what it's looking looking like there um does look like someone did it with their finger just based on the way it was done as opposed to a pen um there's your there's your um, thing again this is uh they What's interesting about this um, lower third is they they would pop this out. I didn't for some reason like I had trouble finding it because a lot of times they just cut to it the way we just saw here, where this is giving you a little extra information. I really felt like it. I wanted it to go out and then back in, but usually it either showed up out, um, or if it popped, out, it did slide out. It would slide out, but then it would just disappear. You know, and I, I, you know, there's a lot of places where I felt like these graphics
2: weren't didn't feel complete. Do the three dashes at the bottom indicate any kind of data or is that yes just timeouts? Design? Oh, that's time like Yeah, okay. I couldn't figure out what
0: they were representing. Right. One thing I thought was a nice little addition is is not only did they have the time remaining, but if you if you look at it, um, I'm going to back up here. I, you know, it was just like one of those little things. Like you're going, oh, that's so that's such a nice little taste uh, here. Yeah. When it are you fades saying to a shadow? Go, go, the go the shadow on the field. Go go to play on it, I was like, oh, that's a nice touch. So, so that's, so it's got a little yeah. shadow on the field when it, when it pops nice. up that gives it a little bit more physical stuff. I do think that this has really come to a whole new level. Like, you know, it's semi transparent over the field as if it was painted, um, and the players, you know, keyed out on the players. You have, you have, you know, things that are hard like green on green. So you have green uh, costumes on green background. I mean, they're very different greens, but still it's, um, that's come a long way. Like mean, if you go back and look at old archive footage, you know, the technology to make that work has been uh, has has come, you know, in a, a great a great deal. Let's go, let's jump into
1: some more questions. And more questions coming in from Kenny Hampton in Greenville, Illinois. Is there a preferred screen location for graphics to be noticed most? Lower left, top right, et cetera?
4: Bill? Well, you know, in in the West, we start with our eyes in the upper left. People will tell you that that is a good starting place because people are used to reading that way. I'm not sure. In video, one thing, and you've seen this, an example of that little flash on the sweeper that Alex was talking about. We are conditioned as human beings to look at the brightest objects in our field of vision first. So often, if they want your eyes to go to the upper left, something will flash in the upper left. If they want you to orient to the center, as they did with that, that big graphic, those flashes will tend to bring your eye to that first. So most designers use brightness as one of the things to signal to you where they expect your eye to be before an element pops up. That's just kind of old typical.
0: Yeah. The, I mean, design. the generally, it, it I mean, obviously. A bright light in the center is what will get your eye <laughs> will look you. That's what you're gonna notice it the most if you're talking about noticing it the most. Um, but a lot of times what what's happening is, is that the during the graphics, as we start to put those out, the um, the designer, if they do it well, is conditioning you to to know where things are. You, you, you're gonna, over time, while you watch the game, the goal is I'm not gonna try to put too much out in front of you, but I'm gonna make sure you know where to look for how many timeouts there are, how much time is left on the clock, or how much time is left on, and they keep on putting everything in the same place and they keep on and they move things around. That moving, because the other thing we're really good at is as as you know, almost all animals are good at seeing things that are moving. So if we move something, flash something, jiggle something, do all those things, it's gonna bring your eye to those to look at those. By leaving them still, it tells your brain to you don't have to pay attention to that right now. By adding something that's moving on top of that, what's nice is it's there, but it's just there for your reference, you know, so to speak. So you know that's kind of the nice part of that that process um, is uh, that it it just tells you you know you always have it to go look at but it by not if they moved it all the time it would actually create a lot of stress so when you have we have some people that have that I've worked with that put logos in and they're moving all the time and what happens is it creates viewer stress because their brain is constantly seeing it moving um, you know and it and so you want to have things move when you want people to look at stuff and stop (laughs) when you don't let's go to the next question.
1: Next one in from Dave Troutman in Edmonton, Canada. Uh, Camera operators during these kinds of events often have preview available on their camera to see, see effects. Is it difficult for them to make framing decisions as the script goes along? usually they're given some direction to it. And a lot of times the camera
0: operator will have their camera and, the, and, the, um, and some return. So either program or preview, as you said before, and sometimes they can switch between those, um, you know, depending on how they have it set up. Um, but a lot of, the most common thing to do is to have them have their own camera plus the program. And that way they can, when they're doing those moves, they can see the graphic over top of it if they're doing a, a live move um, through that process. I don't, it's pretty rare for them to see preview, um, but it is, it is pretty, Very common for them to see program. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell.
1: Yeah, a common word heard on comms is woof. (laughs) Next question. Next one in from Tommy Shands in St. Paul, Minnesota. Not a graphics question, but I was impressed by the cable cam programming. The switch from the booth to a 90-plus degrees sweep with Zoom. I think it was after the first TD. Yeah, there's,
0: there's some... There's a lot of artists that work on this, you know and and i and I define artists as just people who are just amazing at what they do and and when you look at the Super Bowl in front of a hundred million people, you're looking at the best people in the world that do what they do. The cable operators. So the cable cam typically is run by two people. One person's managing the position of the camera, and the other one's panning and tilting that camera. Uh, at least that's the last time I I saw it. <laughs> you know, so they were sitting next to me on a show on a show, um, and so um, and they they'll call out like, "Okay, we're going to do this kind of move," and and they'll all they know what they want to do in that area, and they the two people work together all the time in every game, and so these these folks really know how to make that work, and so you'll see these really creative camera, you know. Uh, cable cams because they're doing it and they you know you only see little little bits of it you got to remember that they're doing it all day like i mean all game they're just moving they're they're ser- serving shots up to a technical director that is amazing um, with camera operators that are amazing with ebs operators that are amazing <laughs> you know so it's just it's an incredible place to, to work because you know every person is at the top of their game um, next question
1: Douglas Carmichael asks, I love the 3D model of the player in the lower left side. Would that be modeled in Cinema 4D and delivered via Unreal Engine? Oh, that was a graphic, like a painted graphic. So I don't know if
0: it was a CG. They may have done some of that, um, but but those graphics were most likely built in Cinema 4D and then delivered back to um, the graphics engine or Maya um so those are the those are the kind of things that might be delivered back in but if, because it didn't really that that animation very well could have been all done in cinema and then rendered out and then provided as a graphic because it didn't have to move in real time um the thing you you typically notice with real-time stuff is a lot of times you have aliasing along the edges and stuff like that but um we'll see as we go forward i don't know if the other one did i mean I think that, that that stuff has been handled is getting handled over time go ahead bill
4: Well, and also think about, you know, who are the people coming up who are watching football as young people? They're people who have been playing video games forever. So the gamification of characters like that perfectly fits in with making this a comfortable graphic environment for both the older folks who want, you know, a bigger type because they might be watching on a phone. I've noticed the the scores and things like that, the blocks getting bigger. But then you've got something like this video game meme-ish kind of look that is gonna to appeal to the young people. So you got a little bit of, you know, they're always thinking, how do we involve everybody? How do we put things out that serve all the different kinds of audiences who may be watching this gigantically popular event?
1: Go ahead, Mitchell. It's also wor- worth noting that uh, the evolution of graphics, uh, especially in sporting events, um, I'm thinking back to the old Chiron days where Chiron never put just white type on a background. They actually did a dimensional uh, drop shadow over black so that that type would always fit over anything, whether it was light or dark, because of the uh, the background. A lot of the graphics carry that tradition of having um, a background or some kind of a drop shadow that allows it to be placed over any kind of a background. Kind of neat. Next question. Next question in from John Snyder in Reno, Nevada. For someone who wants to start looking more deeply at live graphics, what are some key features to start looking for? That's a good question. Um, yeah, so I, I think that... the the best thing to do is look
0: at what other people do and again the 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 best thing to do is look at what people are doing for broadcast and live sports is probably your place to look if you want to learn something learn from from the best <laughs> you know whether it's uh, you know soccer or or um, or other things so broadcast you know network broadcast tv and um and and big sports graphics are going to be where you see the the best design um and so you want to look at what they're doing And so you know there's a couple things they're going to have a lower third they're going to have a sweeper or a, or a stinger um they're going to have you know some some uh data graphics they're going to have those types of things and so you start breaking those down and we're going to keep on doing this about once a month we last month we did playoffs um this month we're doing the super bowl um and it was really popular that's when we came back with the super bowl next next week next month we'll probably do either um sweepers or or super sources and we'll keep on doing this about once a month just because And we'll dig into these different things and how they're being used. Uh, And I know we do it about once a year uh, when we look at these things because they change. Um, But you want to really look at the best and and look at what they're doing and really pay attention to how they're using that data. Go Bill.
4: Also, just study traditional typography. It's not going to tell you everything because this is a specialized piece of it. But you're going to learn a whole different language, M space, N space, letting, kerning, all these things that people who deal with type understand really fundamentally and there is a descriptor for almost every aspect of a character and if you put a capital a on the page a, a typographer will be able to talk to you for one hour about that a where it came from what its aesthetic is how it fits in the background whether the edges are beveled there's just a a, a thousand things, literally. And I'm not saying you have to become an expert typographer to do these kind of sports graphics, but you will learn a lot about the language, and that language has come in. So when they say, I want you to track that tighter, you will understand exactly what they are saying because tracking is a thing.
0: And we're going to keep talking about it, and that's one of the best things to do is to, to do what we're doing today, which is examine it, talk about it, um, you know, figure those things out. We may do more of this in after hours as well. Uh, next question.
1: From Douglas Carmichael, as processing power available to the user exponentially increases, could you see AR and similar technologies brought to the user's device instead of to the other end? We've talked about this a lot, is the idea of using
0: game engines to put the graphics on so that they're, they don't you can send a clean signal out. What's interesting is for a lot of broadcasters, that has not been warmly received because putting the debris on it also means that it's you know where it came from, so if we send you a clean video of this stuff, then you you know it's they like having the debris up there from a copyright perspective, and so uh, we didn't we did we thought people would be excited about that when we first started it. Now we kind of understand that they may or may not be. Um, next question.
1: Next one in from Eduardo Augustine in Panama. The timeout indicators felt somewhat odd. Usually, how long does it take to plan these graphics for Fox? No, they usually play safe. Um. Oh, these take, I mean, people start working on these for months or years, um, you
0: know, a year or months. I mean, I think that the, uh, there's a, everybody does the timeout indicators differently. (laughs) So, um, but this is probably the most subtle uh, way to do it. And it kind of calls back, um, Fox tends to be a little bit, uh, a little bit bigger uh, type, a little bit bigger sections. The glow has been used for a a long time um, in Fox, in Fox stuff. So I think that that's probably, you know, where that came from. Let's go ahead and jump forward a little bit. Um, so we have uh, so we saw that here. We saw the little overlo, and there it goes. Um, he runs down. yay. Here's another like larger graphic. So again, the best thing to do, and this is what I this is why I have this, but yeah, is to record these things is to look at them. So they're still following some of the same things now. And if you watch it play out, you're seeing that that those lines moving across. So you can go back. see so how those lines back back there. Now, the graphic, is probably, you know, its own thing. So it's not like this was, you know, this part here and all of this, was pro- a lot of this was, can be rendered ahead of time, but this stuff has to be of course added um, in, in real time, um, you know, a- as those things go through. So it's a mixture of the things being overlaid, you know, over a backing um, area, but you wanna always like look at how they're, how are they showing different new things? Now here's the touchdown here. So you can see there was a kind of a weird,
1: kind of a comic booky kind of thing.
0: Well, the other thing that happened that I thought was odd was that it it kinda Yeah, it it um so this is a little glitch. I noticed it during the show and I couldn't. they programmed in those glitches.
2: This is what I hate Alex where they make it look like a mistake.
0: No 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 this isn't a this isn't a a this is a mistake. This is not um so oh never mind this is not a mistake. This is this is me um jumping. I I cut to another take. Never mind. Never mind. It's not a mistake. Um so so anyway, so here you have the graphic and you can see the so what what's interesting here is that splat is being used as a holdout mat for the graphic that's happening underneath it. So it it splats in. It goes, you know, boom. And then they use that they do a they they bring in the graphic underneath the splat using the splat as a holdout mat for parts of it. And then it fades in. And you can see how they're using another kind of splat there to um, bring the person in. And and this is the stuff that, yeah, it's it's messy. I think Courtney doesn't like the messiness
1: of it. (laughs) Um, It's kind of of like uh, Marvel. Uh, the way they
2: do yeah, their. Yeah, it's very uh, kind of, it's kind of the
0: anime, kind of marvel kind of thing. expect a Batman,
2: pow, zoom, you know, yeah, you know so from the 60s Batman It's for
0: the animation. kids. It's for the kids. I thought it was huge. And, and again, this is the one place, that the, obviously they have the graphics for every person that might be able to be part of that. Um, and, and so, um, but but yeah, so this is a. Um,
4: yeah, but you know and, one and thing, then, the crowd cheers. you're in a sports bar and you turn and you see that. or right. it, it tra- You know exactly what happened. You yeah, don't have yeah. to be hear it. You don't. You can be peripheral on the way to the bathroom, and you go, "Oh my god, touchdown!"
0: Yeah, and 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 you can notice. So little things to notice also is it's not just that it's touchdown? So it's got the splat that it goes through it. It pops up and it's shaking. See how the touchdown has got? Yeah, a the whole thing is little animated. Um, you know, little animated shake. You know, to the touchdown to give it a little bit more energy. You know, so yeah, that's
2: a, that's a film bob and weave. You know, that's a film. Right. That
0: that we don't have anymore, but we like. Yeah, I know. We we added it back. So, but but you know, the main thing is is that it adds just a little bit of a little bit of energy. You know, to it. I think is the is the goal there, and it's it's really subtle, and you barely you know see it. This is a this is the most bling flag indicator I've ever seen in a football (laughs) thing. It's a flag. It was like (laughs) I was I was kind of like wow. That's uh that is um uh I thought that was. So it's a, it's a big, usually there's like, like a little red visual thing or caution over. tape. <laughs> yeah, but it's like visual caution tape, but, but the, the entrance of it, of the, of the echoing, echoing, uh, yeah. edges, you know, was, uh, that was a lot. And again, you know, the thing is, even if you're never going to use it, I would, if you're trying to get into graphics or you really want to get good at this, the best way to do is sit down and just re literally redo what somebody else has done um, as, as close to verbatim as you can, as it's just such a great way to train. Um, you know, cause you'll, you'll learn a lot about what they're doing with keyframes and how they're doing this, you know, how they're doing these edges and, and so on and so forth. It's just that if you're trying to train, it's, there's no class that can teach you just trying to reproduce something that someone spent millions of dollars on. Let's go to, so here it is, blah, blah, blah. There's a, there's a flag. Yep. Let's see. Here's the, so this is another another um, sweeper. So this is a more traditional stinger in my opinion, which is that it really fills the whole frame. So you're, you're seeing this thing come by. The last one I felt like is a little light. Um, this one really fills the frame. So now you can cut, you've got like, you know, you've got a couple frames there that you can cut to from, you know, from that's, but that's what this is used. This is a vehicle to get from this to that you know and um you know that that um that look that we had for the for the 3d graphics is kind of carried on you know with the front bevel with the front face front bevel um but but look at the you know there's a little bit of texture on that back end look at the soft lighting that goes across the black area so it's not just black um the uh the uh, brushed steel um i only say that i had to do a lot of brushed steel and um one of the one of the ways we used to do brush steel the way we would do a brush steel like this would be um and you can see that they also put that brush steel only on that front face so they they protected those edges if you look at it you know right you know right here um so this is brush steel the way we would do brush steel or a lot of times is we would take um noise in photoshop and then give it a motion blur a really high motion blur and it'll create all the serrations that you need and then we'd take grunge maps that we built and throw them over top of it and it would look just exactly
1: like that and, and push <laughs> so, and you could push the curves on that to yeah. really emphasize the
0: contrast yeah absolutely so there's you know and but again it's and and look at the so that when you think about the it's it's kind of a um uh let's see let's just play this out when he, okay so you see how it, it kind of it it pauses there and then it goes and so the way that 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 works there if you're looking at the at the uh, motion, if you're looking at the F curve of that, you know what what that is. Is it goes up like this, and then it goes like that. So it 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 moves. There's like an isoprams right here. But when you do the when you do the animation, that's what it's going to look like. It's going to go up and pause there. You know, it's not going to change as much in the F curve, and then it's going to go back out again, and then and then with an ease out. But that's the um, you know, that's what that looks like, and it's just kind of a nice quick way to kind of bring that in. This was one of the commercials. I don't know how many commercials we're actually going to get to here, but um, what I thought was interesting, the re- only reason I included this one was how many QR codes that we saw. I mean so a lot of people were throwing QR codes up and I tried to jump on a lot of them just to see where they went. you know so so this one I think was actually to the this one went to the Twitter uh, the Twitter account of the CEO of the company to fo- to tell people to follow him. Which is so I thought that was interesting. They're not really trying to get you to do something right now. They're trying to get you to be there in, in the future when they want to do announcements. But um but I, I think that it was interesting. Some of them were very close to being too small. But the thing about QR codes that that makes it complicated for the shows, um, and they used them three or four times, is some of them came on and came off too quickly, and you can't get your phone out in time. <laughs> so it was like so I the reason I went through it is because I, I do a lot with QR codes. And so I pay a lot of attention to um uh, I pay a lot of attention to the QR codes and um, figuring that out. And so, uh, but you'll notice that they do a bunch of things. They're talking about th- things, but they're telling you to scan now. They're, they're cutting around, but you'll notice how much they jump around, but they are not going in front of the QR code. <laughs> they're going very close to in front of the QR code. Look, just, you know, just uh, there, there they moved it. That might've made it a little harder, but you'll notice that almost everything is as close as they can get to it. And then they give you a nice clear one, but they really need to keep that QR code up for a little while to make that work. So, um, so anyway, I just thought that was, we saw a lot of that. Um here's just another use of that graphic so here's one of the things that that um Mitch was talking about this is an AR render um, and so what's happening here this is a really and we're gonna bring some folks on to talk about this eventually but um but while we talk about this so what's happening is they are tracking this live so this is a this is a cable camera and that cable camera is running and then they are doing a live track of the um of the of the of the um of the camera, and then they're putting this, this into 3D, um, you know, as it, as it goes through. And so it's, this is a tricky thing to do well. And you'll notice that they even put a little, they got a little bit of a sh- effective shadow there. So you'll notice that they, they put a shadow on the field um, that's down here. So that, that is part of that graphic is to, you know, shadow the field and make everything a little darker down there. Um, it, it technically doesn't work totally if you look at the highlights on his helmet, but that's a whole other thing. Um, one thing I will say is that I thought that the rendering here looked good. A lot of times you, if this is a real-time graphic, um, you, you see a little of it there, hold on. You see a little of the sizzling along these edges when, when it's running, like I can see it. Um, it's not as bad as it normally is. But when you see, if you look at, like look at the, look at the front edge of this seven and watch when we, get, when we go past it, you can see some sizzling. See that that there's a little bit of sizzling on that edge, and that's indicative of real-time rendering. Um reflect, you know, real-time reflection rendering is is got a problem with that. But I will say that this is some of the best real-time stuff I've seen um, as far as like um aliasing and so on and so forth. Now, so this is a pretty, again, this is a pretty difficult thing to do, and we're gonna see more and more of this kind of AR type thing. There was one thing, can can anyone of our p- panelists point out the thing that this is what I, I saw. This and I was like, "This is really impressive." And there's going to be a whole lot of meetings about it. And why will there be a lot of meetings?
1: The perspective on the shadows not uh, it's mm. not moving the way you would normally expect. That, it. It's actually tracking the shot.
0: Uh, no, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't move because it'd be a, a standard light source with something that's not moving. So that this the graphics it moved not moving. at a different.
1: Cameras. It moves at a different pace, which it should. I don't
0: think it. I don't well, think the there's three different
2: change. three different planes of graphic there that are going by the the first quarter is on one the the logos are on another, and the scores are on another
0: yeah, but i don 't think the shadow would change because it 's a state it's not we 're not changing we 're changing the camera position, not the sh- if it was a reflection, it would change, but a shadow it would stay the same so i don't think that 's the issue um, the uh, so the issue is not a technical issue. Um, it's the fact that what they the did here ones. is they um, they rend, they put it in they, I'm sure the colors were correct when they put them into the 3D oh, graphics yeah, and then right? they lit it with a white and it's it's very desaturated and very not their colors and as, as again as someone who's worked in, the, in especially in corporate for a long time I was like oh there's going to be a lot of conversations about the color of those logos the only time you see the logos that far off from a, in a color perspective is in these AR things and so everything's a little washed out because of the way they use the lights on the real time thing and you know we uh, given that you you really don't see much highlight change or lighting change we would have absolutely mapped these on as a full diffuse cover you know so that the colors stayed stable and then we would have just done a specular highlights and some shadows in there so i would have done an ambient pass or specular highlights and shadows and made sure that my um my 3d objects were rendered uh with the proper color <laughs> so, so they look really really washed out and as someone who's done a lot of these and had and been in those meetings, I was like, oh that's going to be meetings those, the, the, that's a meeting problem um anyway so it's a fun it's a fun thing so you see how much richer the color is there and see how it looks washed out here and I'm sure that when they put the put it on the logos it looked fine but when they it's lit it published. When they lit it, it it um, changed the nature of it. So you see, so you see those logos, and then you immediately cut to that. And what it should have been is that richness that you see there. And there was and the reason that did, that didn't happen is because they were doing it. You know, this is something you you mean know, you, you just needed to map map the diffuse on and take over the diffuse colors, not necessarily render them. You know, from there, in my opinion, and I I believe that they'll be some people. I've been in those meetings um, about color. Color is a when it comes to logos, color is a big deal. Uh, we, I think we have a question. Oh, here's, here's the Patrick Mahomes version of that of that piece there that we saw earlier. So this is, um, let's go ahead. I think we got um, two questions.
1: And uh, we got one from Douglas Carmichael here. Jonas Jonas mentioned that the English engineers Fox brings over for the Super Bowl are probably BBC engineers assisting with the HLG to HDR10 and SDR. Being an audio person, what does that mean? Uh,
0: HLG, HLG and HDR10 are two versions of high dynamic range. So it'd be, um, you know, BBC is kind of pushing that a little bit more on the envelope. And so those are, um, HLG is, um, is, is the um, hybrid log of gamma and HDR10 is the, the samsung uh version i mean it's it's, it's a general uh format so um uh, so hdr10 plus is more like samsung doesn't want to pay dolby um but hdr10 is a more generalized format that is there um and so those you know oftentimes this pr- productions are done in hlg um, so the pipeline is hlg what it goes out as might be something different like hdr10 hlg is easy because there's no metadata so it it just has a curve applied to it um, and uh, so it's much easier to work in a truck uh, with HLG than it is HDR10. But that's that's probably what what he's talking about. Next question.
1: Next question in from Wayne Ma in Park City, Utah. Little off topic, but what did you think about the loudness of the stadium noise? I found it very annoying. Well, it's not that the stadium was loud. It's
0: that they turned it up. <laughs> they have mics. <laughs> so they're, you know, they're trying to give you a feel of what it's, what it's like there so you can hear the things that are there and made, they'll, they'll make conscious decisions. If they don't do that, you won't hear much of anything. Um, you know, those mics are, the mics that they're using for the announcers are pretty, pretty specific. Um, so yeah, but there's a lot of audience mics out there that they're using and they're mixing it in and you, you know, it gives you a sense of who's yelling and what's going on and gives you a sense of that back and forth.
1: And I think that's what they're trying to do. Uh, next question. From Douglas Carmichael, what would they be using to physically paint the graphics, a Wacom tablet? Uh, there's a
0: Telestrator hardware that, that does it, if you're talking about the Telestrator. And, and a lot of times, it's just a finger. Um, there are some ones with pens. The ones here look so undetailed that I, I kind of, I'm
1: guessing that they were fingers
0: <laughs> you know, to do that. Um, but, but, the, um, but there's a piece of, you know, there's hardware that does, does that. Next question.
1: Serge Blondin from Montreal, Canada, asking, was the YouTube 4K signal in HDR? I don't know.
0: Like, I was I was, uh, I was um, watching it. I was mostly interested in the record. So I needed the, I needed the 4K so that I could do the 1080p record so that I could show it on the show. And so I was doing that, and I actually didn't pass it through an HDR monitor. Go ahead, Courtney.
2: I don't know about the YouTube, but I went the I downloaded the Fox Sports uh, app on my Fire TV 4K HDR, and it was in HDR 4K if it came off the Fox Sports app. But but the live broadcast and the cable carriage, the live broadcast was 720p in LA, yeah, and the uh, uh, the live stream from other sources uh, from YouTube was sent to be seemed to be 1080p, but. yeah, the the um Foxes does a lot in 720. Foxes, crazy like a fox. They're conserving their bandwidth. Uh, Next question.
1: Kyle Hammond asking, did you discuss the the augmented reality pan around the entire stadium at the top of the show? Started with Mahomes to Reed to Kelsey's to Hertz and went around the stadium.
0: I would have to go back. I might've missed that. You know, I, I think I was so busy turning it on at the very beginning and I just got in. I had it recording but I didn't, didn't go back that far, so I I, I, might, have, uh, I might have missed that. And I don't think we're going to – yeah, go ahead, Courtney.
2: Yeah, there was a drone or a helicopter shot uh, at the opening that was mapped into virtual reality, and they moved the graphics as the drone moved. It must have just been used optical tracking to, to paste it into AR mode.
0: And a lot of times they, they will build a 3D model and scan the space so that they can get, you know, the most accurate view of how that's going to – like what it's going to look like,
1: occlusions, etc., Next question. Next question. If from Douglas Carmichael again, what would the actual HLG HDR ten SDR conversion process be? Just an FFS HDR or a similar box? It's a similar box. I don't think it's a, an
0: actual FSHDR, HDR, but there's um, a lot of boxes that will do that kind of thing. And basically, what you're doing is applying a transfer. Um, you know, transfer curve or, or a lot to, you know, we're going to go from here to here. <laughs> you know, So we're, you know, we're taking the colors that are here and then we're going to compact them into here or expand them into there. Um, and that's, you know, that's usually the conversion though, is, you know, making sure it works across the board
1: is usually challenging. Um, next question. Lyle Haylett from Mount Juliet, Tennessee, adding to Wayne's off topic question, what are your thoughts about the low vocal levels in the halftime show?
0: I did notice that. Um, I didn't quite understand how they couldn't get more gain out of that. I, I don't have an example of that, but I, I did notice that there was a it was an, an odd thing um, that uh, um, that happened there. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't. It, it seems like something that could be handled, but we'd have to get the audio team in there to tell us what what happened there. A couple more graphics before we run out of time. Um just want to make sure we got to those questions. Here's a. This is a kind of a fun graphic here. So you can see. This kind of drawn out. Um, So they're tracking along. Now, I think that this happened in, I'm not sure, usually this takes a little bit more time. Like this is something that you have to, it's not done live, it's usually done in some kind of post. And so they're, and and this is a new graphic, like I haven't seen this before. Um, And so, you know, what they're doing there is, I believe that they're tracking him they're tracking both of those players. Um, they're tracking tracking them at, at a base rate, and then and then just following them along and having those graphics reveal you know wipe themselves on. I actually you know I don't know the tool that's being used, but you can see that it's kind of you know put there. Um, the reason that I think that they're tracking it is because see the little errata at the very beginning there. You could kind of do that with a uh, um, you know by hand, uh, so that's possible. But it does feel like it's kind of uh, it's it's hard to tell whether they're you know whether they're um. You know how they're tracking that, but I thought it was kind of a cool way to show the route in a way that we haven't seen before. So this was a new graphic. <laughs> so like you know, for us, like a lot of times in 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 Super Bowl or in another thing, you're like, oh, there's something that I haven't seen before. Um, so this is a graphic that I hadn't seen before. Uh, being able to tell you where where things are and what they're you know what they're looking like. Um, and I love I love the the look of this. You know, I, I hope that we see more of this this graphic here. Now, I don't really care about the names on the top, but I think that showing the uh, showing the routes that way in kind of an organic way against the field was very imaginative, and I thought that that was really really cool.
4: Looking back, you can actually see his tiny stumble of a step that let the receiver get in front of him. It's amazing. If you play it forward, you can just see, watch the black defender. Right there, he just, yeah, that was going too fast, but he half missed a step, and that gave him enough of a right. little gap to complete the pass right there. He right. just stumbles a half a time. That's all it takes in the NFL yeah. to get a pass completed. Unbelievable.
0: But you can see that it's being tracked. Every once in a while, you can see you can see that this is being tracked and comped. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, because you can see it miss right there. See when it bounces, the, the the lines slip a little bit right there. So you know it's it's being it's it's a live comp over top of it. Now it may not have been live animated, but it's definitely a live comp because it didn't quite make that bump right there, um, just right. So, um, but hopefully we're going to see more of that. And those are you know again, it's kind of a spared no expense kind of thing. We saw some more graphics. We're running out of time. There's a flag. Um, I don't know why. I'm getting an, an alert that something was. Oh, that must have been happening while I was. Uh, <laughs> I was like, why is it? Why am I getting an alert? And we're going to run out of time here. I'm just trying to see why I even saved this here. This was more of the graphic here.
4: And then we the.
2: commercial commercial commercial
1: and let's see by the way i hated that bradley cooper spot i thought it, it was, was cute fun. but i didn't like it see i just wanted to oh this is the uh,
0: i think this this does the animation like this is the see if it, there you can see the the slide out that was see that little slide out so that, and remember that that slide out, not only, you know, it's 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 got an ease in and ease out, it's very fast, but it's got an easy ease in and ease out to give you a little bit more information, you know, in that area and that's something you wanna kind of pay attention to. The last thing that I was gonna show, we're not gonna have time to really dig into the uh, Rihanna show. Um, let's see here, it's the, it's the class of, but the last thing I was gonna talk about was,
4: more graphics. So. It was interesting that they said there was so much paint on the field for the logos that was actually, they had to change think, cleats.
0: Well, people were falling everywhere. I don't think it was the paint. <laughs> I think it was just, they had did a different kind of grass. Um, this was great. It's probably a whole second hour, but we'd have to get someone on that worked on it to tell us how that actually happened. That was there in case we didn't have enough time. The one thing I will say is I really, really liked the. Uh, see if I can show it here, that I thought this was really a fun graphic. Yeah, particle systems. Yeah, sure. Right. Well, that's, and, and so and it's something I think I can do. Like I was looking at it going, oh, how do they do that? But it's you know, it's particles being pushed in and out. You you break something up and pushed in and out, and then you use the, the audio noise. Yeah the audio noise to kind of yeah. to kind of push it back out again. It definitely and I thought it was going to the music. It, it wasn't. I, I I looked at it a lot more. It's just it's just an animation, but it's it bounces up enough that it looks like it's there. Um let's see here. There was uh the thing that I was impressed by. I kept all this here oh there we go there so I will say that this usually doesn't work (laughs) so what they're doing here I don't know let's see if we if we back up a little bit we'll see them kind of pan into it I think so so they're panning over okay yeah so they're there so this is a screen this is an LED wall um that looked really good. And I'm wondering whether now that I look at it, I'm wondering whether it's an actual LED wall or whether it was actual TV, you know, or something. Because, so typically they are standing right in front, this is like the little things that, the weird things that some of us <laughs> get obsessed with is I hate these graphics behind the the host because they always look so marayed. Um, there's moiré. There's all kinds of pixelation. There's all kinds of other things. There's a little pixelation in the logos, but overall, we don't see what we normally see here on a digital wall, which is all kinds of moiré um, and pixelation and all kinds of other things that breaking it up. It was just nice and clean. And I was, I, I looked, I looked at this a couple of times looking for it, and I had to go back to the train. I wanted to make sure. I mean, I even wondered whether this is actually a green screen. You know, like it could be. That's what I know. was thinking. It looks like a green yeah. screen that was they tracked in. It's well keyed, yeah. you know. But but if it's a green screen, the things that you start looking for for green screens is up here. You start looking at their hair, you know. And so, if it is a green screen in that environment, it was shot really well, you know. So it was also if
2: it's a physical screen, how do you get the backlight up there on his hair?
0: Oh, you it's can that put that. Up there. I think you can mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't worry about the backlight, but I, but I do it. it it's either a very, very good because again, you look at things like the little hair detail here, his hair tail, and an ultimat is capable of doing that. It's just usually broadcasters aren't good enough to do that. I mean, they just they kind of throw up something that doesn't have, that's not cleanly lit. Um, and I and I feel like uh, I feel like they they either did a really good job on the key, um, or they had, and it could be that they did a
1: really good job on the key. But if they did it, it was really well done. They they are very close to that screen. If that's a green screen, there's no spill anywhere I can see. Yeah. So I mean, so again, oh, I'm not. Yeah. So whatever they did here, if
0: it was an LED, maybe we can talk to some folks and find out what actually happened there. But, um, but whatever they did here, it worked. Like, and and I have not seen that work very often. (laughs) Like like almost ever. Like every time they cut to this, there's something wrong with it. It looks too LED, the green screen's too soft, the, the, all those other things. And this is the first time I think I've seen that digital background behind somebody where I went, oh, that looks really good. There's a little bit of aliasing down here, so there's not, it's not perfect. And that's why it led me, this aliasing right here along the K is what led me to think it was still some kind of TV and not a, not a CG background. But, you know, I, you know, I don't know for sure. But anyway, I, I agree, though.
4: Was, it's got to be pretty tight behind them because they're not using much rim light on them. And they could yeah. actually use a little more shoulder and arm definition against that back with a little rim light of some kind because they get kind of they just fade into the background of the bottom half of their bodies. Yeah, yeah. That's probably just no depth and exactly what we keep talking about. Really you warm. don't have any space between them and the back. Yeah, next question. can't light them.
1: Uh, Douglas Carmichael's in with a question. With so many large trucks in such a small place, how would they manage parking and getting them in and out smoothly?
0: Logistics. They tell them where they want the, the trucks. There's like, I don't know how many trucks, but it's probably close to 12, maybe 20. Somewhere between ten and ten and twenty, twelve to twenty, uh, trucks that get in there and they get to go in first. <laughs> they, they have they have priority. Uh, there's there's places that are built for them. They you know that that's when they design the stadiums they design for the trucks. Some of them are sometimes on the inside, some of them are on the outside. But there's um, you know yeah ten to twenty uh, trucks there probably, maybe even more. There might be forty of them in there. Yeah, so I mean it's just it, it, it's it's a big it's a big show. Um, next question.
1: Next one in from Serge Blondin in Montreal, Canada. Do we know if the broadcaster has access to player tracking systems used by coach? I don't think so. I think that they actually are pretty careful about not giving
0: them that. You know, so the, what the coaches have and what the broadcasts have oftentimes are are different. Um, they the coaches usually have, or a lot of the teams, or the, and the definitely the league has access to all the camera lanes. But the um, but the question is really, you know, I don't think that they they want to show what the coaches see. Um, you know, to back to the broadcasters, they're pretty careful about what the broadcasters get. Bill, real quick.
4: Absolutely. Think about the amount of money wagered on this sporting event. Any inside information about what the coach is planning that gets out into the wild by any means can can change hundreds of millions of dollars. So it, it, that information is locked down like brinks. You definitely wouldn't want an errant call at the end of the game that would be
0: oh. really horrible from a betting perspective <laughs> anyway I'm just saying i'm just saying, i'm just saying like you're
4: not you're not bitter
0: <laughs> i'm not i'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not, i didn't do it like here's the funny thing is i didn't i mean the last thing i'll say is I, I i only watch the game for the graphics like i don't care the Steelers aren't in it i don't really care who wins it was just like uh snatching you know victory you know defeat play. from victory like Let it was just kind of like i don't care who wins but i was like that's not the way to, that you want to win is just to is to have something that was what we would call ticky-tack.
2: Well, no. so, now they have, on the close calls, they went to review them. You had to go to a commercial because there were like, you know, 45, there were 44 manned cameras yeah. and an additional 50 unmanned cameras. Yeah. That's so a lot of cameras. 94 cameras in all. And they covered the replay and a lot on the replays when they went to look at the replays. They had like, you know, 15 to 20 different views of yeah. that individual thing to look at. All
0: right. Well, that's fun. Uh, thanks to
2: the to the, to our producers for all the great questions thanks to the panelists
0: can't do this without you and uh and thanks to uh to the incredible team on the back end making this all work every single morning well, it's really great to have all of you here it's it's a fun show that we get to put together and we can't do it it's it's a it takes a village and what's interesting is the whole village is part of it <laughs> you know so it's, it's it's just fantastic so thanks to everybody um and uh we traveled uh, 42 the Tlaloc traversal 42,000 miles 68,000 uh, kilometers Three hundred and eighty-four bananas for scale. Um, just a reminder that uh, tomorrow we've, we've got uh, audio pathology. Um, so uh, uh, Marty Ateas is going to be here to, to to talk to us about that. Um, so and, and others uh, will be here to um, answer your questions about how to how to figure out what's going on <laughs> when your audio isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, reader, uh, the reader workshop is at three p.m. Uh, tomorrow. So just a quick reminder of that. Um, and today um, it's today. Oh, it's today. Today's one. Tuesday. Oh, you moved to Tuesday, Tuesday from Wednesday. I got it. Okay, great. All right, very good. Um, and um, yeah, looking good. All right, uh, we will now jump into
2: after hours. Oh, I didn't understand what I was looking at. There's behind this. There's live
0: sports behind the scenes in the uh, Bo room now, right now. Jeff Keithley. I didn't understand.
4: Out of context, I was like, I don't understand. I didn't realize Alan Smithy worked on our show. I just saw his name go by. That's excellent. If you're yeah. watching this on YouTube, you probably missed the whole second hour
2: because the NFL didn't like it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you just sometimes you just have to be here. That's all I'm saying.
4: They won't so cut us off. They don't cut us off until means... we hit end of end of uh, until we.